Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 130 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm usually joined every week by my co-host, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. He couldn't be with us this week. He's done one of those things that he sometimes seems to do where he just goes missing. Nobody knows where he is. Get the hashtag going on Twitter, at FindIaz. But I'm joined this week by a very, very good replacement. And her first time, actually, on this show It is America's very own Mimi Melendez. Mimi, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm very good. I'm very good. Right. Let's jump straight into the review part of the show. Let's waste no time. We're going to start over in the Belasco Theatre in Los Angeles, California. Just one fight to mention from this card here. Prospect out of the Robert Garcia boxing gym, Hector Tanahara. He moved to 13-0. and It was a unanimous decision over eight rounds for him against a guy called Hector Suarez. It was the Battle of the Hectors. Well, Tanahara came out on top as expected. Um, I'm happy to see him go the distance as well in his last fight if I'm not mistaken I think he touched down and got up to win so um, yeah he's quite a guy that I'm very excited about his future Uh, moving over now to Australia one or two fights to mention on this bill at the Convention and Exhibition Centre in Brisbane Queensland what do we have here what do we have here the son of Costa Zoo Tim Tazu. He moved to 8 and 0. It was a TKO in the fifth round against Ruben Webster, who was previously undefeated. He brought a record into this fight of 8 and 0. So a TKO there for Tim Tazu. He now moves to 8 and 0. Very exciting young fighter. He seems to have a lot of power in his punches. And um, I'm really excited to see what he turns out to be. Uh, moving up the bill once again, Damian Hooper picked up win number 14. He's also got one loss. It was a TKO in round nine against Reynold Quinlan, the man that we all, you know, slated really when we saw that he'd signed to fight Chris Eubank Jr. in that bizarre fight. And this one, by the way, was actually at light heavyweight. Quinlan's moved up to light heavyweight. This one was also for the WBO international light heavyweight title. Um... One note on this fight, actually. Damian Hooper, despite getting the TKO in round 9 of 10, he was actually down twice in round 5 himself, so credit to him. Um, also on this bill, Dennis Hogan. He moved to 27-1 and with one draw. It was a win against Britain's very own Jimmy Kelly. Very unlucky Jimmy Kelly. He, you know, he proved, to be honest, a few times now that he will fight anybody, but unfortunately for him, it didn't pan out. He's now 23-2. and um, Dennis Hogan successfully defends his WBO Intercontinental Super Welterweight title and also his WBO Oriental Super Welterweight title. So good stuff with him. Uh, Moving over now to Austria. One fight that went under the radar a little bit over here. Tavel Pulev. This is the younger brother of Kubrat Pulev. I think he's about 35, actually. So he's not so younger. But anyway, he moved to double-figure wins. It was a 10th 
Um, it was a 10th win for him, a KO in round two against Laszlo Penzes, who was actually undefeated with a record of 7-0 and going in. So good win there for Tavel Pulev. Moving over to France, the man that recently fouled, well not fouled, I should I should rephrase that, I got told off last week. The guy that went against the, the anti-doping rules, I suppose, he, he fouled to oblige with, you know, with their rule set. Um, Tony Yoker, he missed a couple of drug tests. It's not that he fouled them, he just missed them. So he fouled to alert the, you know, the drug authorities in France of his whereabouts and he wasn't able to, you know, to take the test when they showed up because he wasn't where he told them he'd be. Well, anyway, throughout all the confusion, he managed to actually, you know, have the French bald sanction a fight for him. He now moves to 4-0. and It was a KO in round 5 against his opponent, Cyril Leonette, who is now 13-10 and with three draws. No great shakes him, but a good win there for Tony Yoka. Um, I think that's also his first 10-rounder. I may be wrong, but um, yeah, he only needed 5 to get rid of his opponent there. Moving over now to Mexico at the Hotel Azuistapa. Um, former world champion Johnny Gonzalez picked up win at number 66. He's also got 10 losses. It was a unanimous decision against Marlin Cabrera, who's now 24-2. and This one was for the WBC Latino Super Featherweight title. And now moving over to the big one at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. This is the final um, the final bill of any real significance to mention from last week. This really was the bill of the weekend, to be honest, in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. I'm going to start on the undercard here. Um, Sergio Mora, 28-5 and five with two draws. We will be speaking to him later on in the show. He picked up a split decision win against Alfredo Angulo, 24-6. and six. Both men were coming off, I think it it was just under two years out of the ring. They both hadn't boxed since about mid-2016. Um, Sergio Mora, like I say, got the win, but one judge scored it to Alfredo Angulo. That judge, no surprise, Adelaide Bird, somebody that's come under some scrutiny um, many times, not just recently, but yeah, that was a bit of a questionable scorecard for her. Um, it seems like that's becoming quite a fashion now. Um, also on this bill, because that one wasn't televised, but the fight that I got to see first on the bill in the UK on Box Nation, Julian Williams, 24-1 and one with one draw, took on Nathaniel Gallimore, 20-1 and one with one draw. Um, J-Rock Williams was cut under his right eye from an accidental headbutt. I didn't know too much about Gallimore going in, but he actually impressed me. I think he was a much better fighter than I thought he would be. And very interestingly, at the weigh-in, I think it was, or maybe the press conference, they did a face-to-face kind of thing. That's all I do know. But Gallimore brought with him some fruity pebbles, which is obviously a famous um, U.S brand cereal and um yeah he brought them to the to the weigh-in to say that jay rock is not jay rock he's jay pebbles which i found quite amusing obviously he was made to eat those words um i'm going to bring you in now mimi i'm i'm taking i'm taking it that you probably did see this fight if so what were your thoughts on it um i thought uh gallimore was a lot a lot more skilled than what i had previously thought i wasn't too familiar with him as well he did pretty well in the mid-rounds um, and I thought that this was a great win for J-Rock. Yeah, I agree. I tend to agree. I think that, you know, like I say, Gallimore, when he brought the fruity pebbles to the, to the weigh-in, I was, I was, I found that quite amusing. Um, 
I feel that I feel that J Rock definitely won a clear decision, despite one judge having it a draw. So it was a majority decision in the end. But the eleventh round, I think that J Rock was very very close to stopping Gallimore. Gallimore seemed to be out on his feet, but showed some great conditioning. J Rock didn't really have it all his own way, though. Like I say, and like you say, really the mid rounds, he, he certainly had a lot of success. Um, J Rock was also cut on both eyes and 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 took a lot of shots himself. It definitely wasn't one way traffic. Although he did win, though, J-Rock, he didn't, I don't know, he seems like he's he's quite a few levels down from the champions at 154. It seems like, I don't know, he didn't impress me too much, but it seems like the, the champions at 154, there's quite a drop in level to the contenders because he really is a contender. He's a top contender, I think, but I think there's 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 quite a you know, the difference in, in, in class between the champions and the contenders. Would you tend to agree with that, Mimi, or am I way off? No, I absolutely agree with you. 154 has some great um, champions. They have her, Lara, there's Charlo. These guys are way above J-Rock as far as, um, you know, levels go in boxing. Um, I do feel like they are more complete. I do feel like J-Rock is a solid prospect, though. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. And moving up this bill, um, let's start with. Should we start with Truax and Degal after this one, or should we do Lara and Hurd? Where should we go between those two fights right now? Up to you. Um, I think, um we could go with Truax Degal. Okay, let's go with that. This one, of course, was a rematch for the IBF World Super Middleweight title. James DeGaulle lost the belt to Truax back in December. I was there, sat ringside in London. A very under-par performance from James DeGaulle, but he did avenge that defeat there on the weekend. DeGaulle was also cut on the right eye from a punch in round three. Truax was cut on his right eye in round seven and round eight. It seemed like all the cuts were caused from accidental head clashes. DeGaulle was also deducted one point in round 10 for use of his shoulder it seemed to be quite a questionable decision from the referee to be honest there um let me let me go into this one i think that the first round degal surprised me where he was so much on the front foot he was very very aggressive that that took me by surprise a little bit very unusual um degal round especially in the first round to see him so aggressive he really went looking for tracks right away i think that degal looked very mobile and athletic um I think Truex clearly, you know, he looked big and strong in there. The much bigger guy, naturally, I'd feel. And DeGaulle landed two big headbutts on Truex that seemed to be unintentional. But even still, they landed really solid and Truex came off really bad from those, from those, you know, from those head clashes. I think that was one in the first and one in the second. DeGaulle's forehead hit Truex you know, in the mouth both times there. And like I say, the other cuts were caused by other head clashes. Degal walked into a couple of powerful-looking right hands from Truax, you know, down the course of the fight. Something still seems to be missing from Degal, though, in my opinion. Like I say, Degal was cut badly in the third round. That was from another clash of heads. And, you know, the corner just seemed to not be able to get that cut under control at any point in the fight. It just kept flowing and flowing. The referee called it incorrectly, though. I think he said it was from a punch, which, you know, that was a bit dangerous, really. That that was a bit risky, I felt, at that point. I thought that perhaps we could see the fight get stopped and, you know, and Truex would rack up a, you know, a, a TKO victory. But in the fourth round, James DeGaulle was constantly on the back foot and it seemed like he was 
slipping into those bad habits that he picked up in the first fight, it seemed like the fight was maybe swaying a little bit back in Truax's favour. I did actually give Degau the fourth round, though. I had it 3-1 to Degau after four. There were some very uh, different scorecards floating around on Twitter. I felt, I felt that... Um, Degau started a little bit slow from like the fifth round. I think Truax didn't do too much, really, too much work in those mid rounds apart from just stalk Degau. He wasn't really landing the, any eye catching punches, I'd say. I think that Degau won, um, won some of the middle rounds as well. Degau, like I say, was constantly wiping the stream of blood away from his eye. The corner just couldn't do anything with a bleeding. Robert Bird took a point off James DeGale, like I say, for persistent use of the shoulder in round 10. The commentators thought that that was outrageous. Um, yeah, like I say, the scorecards were all over the place on social media. I felt that the 12th round, uh, the 12th round, the final round, there was a lot of holding, but I think that Truex probably won the round on the cleaner work. I felt that the 10-8 round as well could have proved to be huge. Not on my scorecard. I felt that James DeGale won quite comfortably over the distance, but I felt that it could play a part. But in my eyes, the right man won. Um, a lot of people would say that I'm wrong. So how did you see that fight, Mimi? That fight was very bloody. Um, it was a very messy fight. I didn't feel like that was the best, you know, representation of what either one can do. Um, I did feel like there was a lot of grabbing, holding, clinching, a lot of smothering. There was not any real good inside fighting. Um, there was a lot of leaning in as well. Um, I think DeGale, when he was pushing him off, I think he was just trying to create some distance to try to land some cleaner shots. Um, but like you said, the ref took a point away and I thought that was kind of, you know, kind of outrageous as well. You know, honestly, it's just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a fight that, you know, that I would say that, you know, was a great fight. It was not the highlight of the night. No, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think that, um, something's just lacking from DeGale. I don't know. I mean, the first time I kind of thought to myself, maybe it's Truax, maybe the fact that he's, I don't even want to say he's awkward. I think he's quite quite textbook really Truax um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's got much to his game really and I really like the guy so that's not a disrespectful uh, comment to make about him but I just felt that DeGaulle's just struggled so bad with him in the first fight I, I actually barely gave DeGaulle a round in the first fight and I think the second fight despite I had DeGaulle winning quite quite wide on the cards I still think that there's something lacking there and you know before he actually met Truax in the ring, before last December, I would have said that DeGaulle's probably the best super middleweight on you know on the planet. But now, I I think I I actually have a lot of people to beat him. I think that, and this is you know I don't want people to take this out of out of context what I'm saying here. But I would have him as an underdog to Gilberto Ramirez, to um, to David Benavides, to George Groves, possibly. And this could really be quite controversial. Possibly even Chris Eubank Jr. I could just imagine him, you know, throwing a million punches and, you know, DeGaulle not being able to judge the distance well, which we've seen. He seems to not really be able to judge distance well all of a sudden. It seems like he's got old overnight. Um, Just before we move on from this fight, Mimi, um, who would you have, who would you favour over DeGaulle at 168? Do you still have him as the top dog or is he, is he nowhere near? How, how do you see the division? Um, you know, no offence to DeGaulle. I think he's been in a lot of wars. I don't think he's the fighter he was before. Um, I do feel like Uskategi could be a problem for him. Mm. Benavides would beat him. Um, 
I honestly feel like he's not a top dog anymore at, at that, you know, at that, at that weight, at that weight class. It's just, he's just not the fighter he was before. Right. Yeah. Cause there's a, there's a rumor going around, you know, a lot of people sort of believe it and some don't that he perhaps got badooed. You know what I mean? Like Badu just took it out of him. Or I like yeah. to say he got jacked. I like that. I like that saying better. Um, moving up now to the main event, though. This one was the main event of the night. This one, of course, for the IBF, IBO, and WBA Super World Super Welterweight titles. This one um, this one was a unification, of course. Erislandi Lara in one corner with his record 25-2 and two with two draws. Jarrett Hurd 21-0 and 0 in the other corner. Firstly, I give Jarrett Hurd a lot of credit because I think that he's a guy that, you know, I want to say he's kind of inexperienced with the, you know, with the championship rounds and the championship fighters. I felt that, um, you know, his last win against Austin Trout was a good win, but I felt that Trout ran out of steam after about three rounds. So, you know, I wasn't too sure how much of a great win it was. But aside from that, he didn't really impress me against Tony Harrison when he picked up the vacant title, despite stopping him. You know, he, he was being outboxed for much of that. And before that, I hadn't really seen much of Jarrett Hurd. So I have to say, going into this fight, I massively favoured Erislandi Lara. Um, and you know what? He's really impressed me, Jarrett Hurd, because I think, like I say, I think he'll fight anybody. And I almost felt he was a little bit naive to take this fight on. He, he seemed to kind of be, you know, underestimating Lara. At the weigh-in, he was putting his, you know, his hand over the guy's head, like as if to say he was so small, so short, kind of taking the, you know, the mick out of him a little bit. And I thought, oh boy, he's going to really pay tomorrow night. But it just wasn't to be. It was all Jarrett Hurd. How did you see that fight, Mimi, before I break it down? Um, I saw the fight as a very interesting fight. I knew Hurd was going to bring, you know, difficulties to Lara. Um, Lara's been dropped before in the Angulo fight, which Angulo is a pressure fighter. Hurd is the same way. Hurd is a very, very, like, huge, strong pressure fighter. Um, he takes he takes a punch to give five. So, and he doesn't mind it. He'll just keep going forward. And I knew that that pressure was going to be a problem for Lara. Yeah, it was a surprisingly aggressive start from Lara as well. I mean, he came out in the first round, you know, swinging away. And I feel, I feel like he had a great first round, Lara. And I knew that, well, I thought, I don't want to say I knew, because I don't feel like I knew much about this night of boxing. There was a few surprises here and there. But um, I really was, was, was not too sure if the fight was going to be a really exciting fight, because we don't see Lara in many barn burners, but I felt that, you know, Hurd actually did bring out a lot of good, a lot of eye-catching stuff from Lara, which tends to mean it didn't go all Lara's way. Um, You know, Hurd touched the canvas, but it was a slip. I think that was in the first or second round. Hurd did look quite uncomfortable in there in parts, but like I say, Hurd being absolutely huge for the weight, and you have to say, he did look a couple of weight classes above Lara when they were standing close. Um, he, you know, he was able to just take Lara's punches and kind of walk through him at times. He was he was being backed up here and there, but over the course of the fight, the bigger man heard was just able to, you know, put the pressure on Lara. Like you say, he won many rounds on aggression, many rounds <clears throat> he landed the better shots, and I, I found it quite a close fight up until the 12th round. I mean, like I said, I do say it was all heard, but what I mean by that is I feel like he answered a lot of questions for me. And going into that 12th round, it was quite close. I felt that Hurd was probably one or two ahead. And then obviously in the 12th round where he dropped Hurd, 
Oh, sorry, where he dropped Lara. That was really the now in the coffin, if you like. Obviously, Lara hadn't been dropped in nearly four years. Um, he was able to get back up and survive until the final bell, which I was happy about. I didn't really want to see him get stopped because I like Lara. I think he gets overlooked just because, you know, he's, he hasn't really been able to sell himself so well. He doesn't obviously speak English very well at all. So I feel like he's, you know, he's been written off. I saw a lot of kind of the American audience writing him off before the fight. Like I say, I thought he was a favorite. He was a favorite in many people's eyes, but heard certainly raised to the or raised to the occasion and got the win so very impressive from herd um it sets up quite a few fights though i feel in the you know in the 154 division like we were saying there's there's that kind of um two three four maybe five names at the very top of 154 then there's a great big drop back to some of the contenders lara's still up there but herd has beat him um quite well especially dropping him like i say and now it really sets up a mouth-watering clash i feel between two unbeaten fighters two unbeaten champions at 154 mimi i know that you know who i'm talking about jarrett herd and and jamel charlo what a fight that would be Yes, absolutely. They're they're both, you know, you know, big guys for 154. You know, they're both very strong. You know, they're both very aggressive. I just feel like, you know, if I had to pick, you know, my my pick at this in this particular fight, I would say I would go with Charlo. I feel like they're the more complete fighters. But however, I do feel like, you know, it would be a great test for both of them to see exactly where they are. Great measuring stick. Yeah, I do like the measuring sticks. They are they're handy in boxing. Um yeah, what I will say also, last week when we did the prediction league, I I believe we all agreed, me, I as and the listeners, we all agreed that I think we all went with Lara to win on points. That obviously didn't happen, so we don't get a point there. And we all went with Degau to win on points, despite me not being sure. I was kind of thinking that Truax might find a way, but in the end, I went with Degau. So we've all gained a point there. We all agreed. Very rare thing that on this show. Um, moving over now to the final one or two bills, just to mention, just before we wrap up part one here. Um, there was a fight that happened on Sunday, the 8th of April. One fight that happened over in Thailand, actually. Uh, there's a guy over there. Now, uh, you know, a lot of these Thai fighters have got many, many different names. But there's a guy, and I'm going to try my best to to pronounce this. Um, actually, Mimi, you can have a crack at pronouncing this as well, so I don't look just silly on my own. <laughs> um, how would you say this guy's name? Hang on, let me let me just quickly send you his name here. Pong Saklek Wang Jongkam. Yeah, that that you know what I couldn't have done it any better to be honest. I'm happy with with that pronunciation. I'm sure that um, <laughs> Pong Saklek Wang Jongkam's probably happy as well. But anyway, um, this guy here. What I should mention is, I mean, we can laugh all we like, but this guy's resume. Well, I'm not going to talk about his resume. He's a former world champion, but his record is 91 and five with two draws. He got win number 91. Um, on Sunday, it was at the Ram 100 Thai Boxing Stadium. He actually took on a guy with a losing record who had a record of um, 18 and 19. The guy's name was Manok. Oh my god, his name was Manok Komput, I think his name is. It was for the interim Thai Super Bantamweight title. So, all the very best there to. Um, what's his name once again, Mimi? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pong Sakalek Wanjongkam. 
Excellent. All the very best to him. And that really wraps up the reviewing. Just before we wrap up part one, because in part two, I'll be joined by another special guest. But just before we wrap up part one, it's time now to say goodbye to Mimi Melendez, who's been absolutely fantastic. So Mimi, once again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for replacing Iaz. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Goodbye, guys. Excellent. Just before we wrap up part one, like I say, the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current WBA bantamweight champion of the world, Mr. Jamie McDonald. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, my friend. It's my pleasure. So, Jamie, it's your first time on the show. It's certainly overdue. I do just want to point out, though, for those that may not know, they should know, but Jamie is, of course, Britain's longest reigning current world champion Jamie also hasn't lost a fight for over 10 years and even that loss was a very controversial and close loss it's crazy to think Jamie that you don't really receive the recognition or the credit for what you've achieved in boxing but one thing I must say before I start with my first question really is me personally I absolutely applaud you for your work in the boxing ring you truly are in my eyes one of the best boxers Britain has produced in a long long time And like I say, we've had your trainer, Dave Caldwell, on the show many, many times. He's expressed frustration about you not really being appreciated by some of the British boxing fans. Does that affect you in any way, Jamie? Do you get frustrated by that at all? Not really, mate, not really. But, you know, when you put it into, you know, when you say it like that, you know, longest reigning champion we've got, you know, undefeated for 10 years. You know, I've won British, English, British, Commonwealth, European, final eliminators, world titles. You know, I've done it all, um, you know, and I kind of don't, it still goes under the radar, you know. I don't get the recognition, probably, you know, what some other fighters would get if they had, you know, what I've done. But it doesn't affect me. I just get on with it, you know. I'm not, um, you know, it doesn't affect me too much. I just get on with it and just keep doing what I'm doing, you know. I'm happy as long as I'm winning, you know. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy just doing what I do. Yeah, that's the right attitude to have. We've also had your brother on the show many times too. He's another one that I feel is kind of underappreciated because he's a nice guy. He's a champion boxer. He's a really likable person also. Um, before we get onto the, you know, onto the fighting questions, Jamie, how awesome is it to have your brother along with you for the entire ride, not just from the outside, but also very much the inside? He's there with you day in, day out, witnessing it, taking part in it every step of the way. How proud are you to have, you know, to have Gavin with you? It's brilliant. Uh, it pushes me. You know, if I didn't have a kid with me, I push myself, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he come, he don't forget he only had five amateur fights. Um, kind of, everyone writ him off. And he's seen me do it and he wanted a piece of sin. And he's getting there and he's had his world title fight and he's up there. And especially after that last performance, I thought, you know what, I've got, I need to up my game. Is You know, obviously I want a bit better, brother, you know, when we retire. And he, He's catching me up, he's, he's skilled, you know, he's slipping, he's, he was slick, um, you know, so we push each other, and it's always competitive, you know, we we have banter, we have crap, but it is competitive, and it's good, because it pushes us both, and it's a very lonely sport, boxing, and our business, but when you've got someone there with you, 24-7, you're not driving to all these sessions on your own, you're not, do, you, you're kind of not on your own all the time, you're with him, you know, and um, it's good. It's good. It's good for motivation, and it's good, you know, to have someone alongside you, especially now he's up at that level with me. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant win for him last time. Last time out, like I say. So, 
Um, as I say, it's the first time you've been on. I, I just want to kind of run through some of your wins. Like I say, you've been undefeated for 10 years now, and it's just remarkable when you look at some of the people that you've beaten that, you know, some of the lower weights don't really get that, that recognition, I suppose. Obviously, you know, it started... Um, in this 10-year undefeated streak. Ian Napper, a guy that you know was a former EBU champion. Obviously, you've beaten um, a former world title challenger in Jerome Arnold. You beat the eventual two-time world title challenger, um, Stefan Jamoy. You beat the eventual world champion, Stewie Hall. You beat the former world title challenger, Ivan Pozo. You beat the eventual WBC world champion, Julio Cesar. Uh, you beat the former world title challenger and European champion, Bernard Inom. You beat the eventual European champion, he's still reigning now actually, Abigail Medina. You beat the former world title challenger, Javier Chacon. You then beat Tomoki Kamida twice in a row on the road. You took his O in the first fight. You got up you know, off the deck to win, and then the second fight, yeah. you put him down. He was also, obviously, an ex-world champion. Then you beat former world champion Liborio Solis most recently. I have to say, what a resume. Not to mention that in that time, like you said, you picked up the British, the Commonwealth, the European, the IBF, and the WBA world titles. It's quite unbelievable. It's quite astounding. You've probably got one of the best resumes in British boxing right now. Would you tend to agree with that, Jamie? Um- I do listening to that. I'm kind of proud of him. I've never <laughs> like properly looked at it or thought about it, but I always say when I retire, that's when I realise what I've done, and I'll be proud of it. And you know, when it's all done and dusted, and that's just felt like one of the moments. It's like, hey, that sounds quite good. That you know, and there's still more to come. You know, the best of me is still, I, I believe, still, still yet to come. You know, uh, but that sounds pretty impressive. You know, like I've been undefeated for ten years. You know. I can remember when I got beat in them two fights. I was already playing at the game. Um, and I told myself I'm never going to get beat again. Um, you know, and that's been the motivation. You know, we just keep winning all the time and knuckle down. So, uh, hopefully, it would be nice to, you know, retire, you know, and not get beat again. You know, that's the plan. Absolutely, absolutely. Like you say, unbelievable resume. Obviously, last time out, you gave um, you gave Solis a rematch, and I know that originally, after the first fight, um, your trainer wanted you to move up in weight. You didn't do that. You wanted to prove to any doubters that you were worthy of getting the decision over Solis in the first fight. Obviously, the second fight didn't go to plan, though. A cut that you sustained early on meant the fight had to be stopped prematurely. It ended up being a no contest. Some would say that... You know, with the with the Liborio Solis chapter finally behind you, that if you were killing yourself to make the weight, that would have been the time to move up in weight. But instead, you haven't done that, and you're you know you, you've now signed to take on um, Naoya Inoue, who has obviously a brilliant reputation of being an absolute monster. Really, he's fifteen and zero with thirteen knockouts. But himself, he's moving up in weight to fight you. So, Jamie, what attracted you to this fight? Was it the financial reward? Was it to prove to the fans that you will fight anyone? Was it the sheer fact of a challenge on your hands, or was it a bit of everything? It's just this, you know, it's nothing to do with money. I've had good paydays. Nothing to do with that, right? I've had no... I still haven't got the recognition I deserve. And for the solid fights, the motivation were there. I trained out, did it all. But, the, you know, when you get these monster fights, like fighting in a way and Kameda, and everyone writes you off, it's a different motivation you can bring to your training. Um, and the plan was to move up because I wanted new challenges. I didn't think there were no left really at bantamweight. Um, you know, I can still make bantam weight. That's why I'm here. You know, I won't, I won't go and take a fight. You know, if I thought I might not make weight, I can make the weight. The, to be fair, the last time I made the weight, 
Uh, I got a new team on board. Uh, Danny um, Danny Wilson at the university uh, and, and Maya, my nutritionist, and it's the best I've done it. Um, and I only had, I think, eight weeks with Danny and four weeks with my nutritionist. I've had, a, you know, I've had plenty of time with him now. But I'll have done a, a, a solid 12-week camp. This will be the best I met weight. And this is the, the this is a fight I want, you know. Um, everyone's ripped me off. I've had people tweeting me, giving me credit for taking the fight, but I'm going to get knocked out and this and that. But, listen, I can go and beat this kid. I know I can. And I'm hoping I get some recognition, you know, uh, what I deserve because I will go and fight his. You know, I'll fight anyone at Bantamweight. I'll fight. They've only got two arms, two legs. I believe I'm the best fighter at Bantamweight on this planet. And that's why I've gone and took this fight. He's moving up in weight. I, I think I beat him in all in all ways, experience, size, range, everything. You know, um, I think I beat him. Obviously, he's, he's sharp. He can bang. But can he bang when he comes up against someone like me who, you know, probably, you know, can campaign at featherweight if I want. Um, I'm a big bantamweight, so um, this fight's got me going. Uh, I'm absolutely flying in training. I'm loving it. I'm, to be fair, I'm, I'm liking going at the gym and doing my job. You know, it's not, it don't feel like a chore. You know, when you want to go and you want to train hard because you know you're up against it, it's, it's, it's nice. So I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying going to the gym. I'm enjoying knuckling down. And I want to prove to everybody you know, who write me off. Don't write me off, you know, I can beat these kids. Uh, and I believe 100% I'll beat anyway. Um, and have a fantastic year this year. And Jamie, what do you know about Inoue? Have you watched much footage of him at all? I've watched uh, enough, you know, to see. I, I know where does he... I've probably watched about five rounds, four to five rounds. Um, he's good. He, he, he comes in and out. He's, he's, very, he's very fast. He can bang. But he's not. I don't think the opposition has been the best he's fought, you know. Um, and I think I can exploit, you know. There's plenty there to exploit, and you know, as long as I do what Colwell tells me to do, and I show up on the night, I can beat him, and I can look good beating him. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, to be honest. And like a true champion, you've gone on the road before to defend your titles. Um, you've done it in America. You've done it in Monte Carlo, a little bit closer. It's a whole different thing, though, going over to Tokyo, Japan. Aside from the fight itself, are you looking forward to going out there to you know, to experience the place? It is. Everyone says it's a great place. It's nowhere you'd pick to go, even in an holiday. But Texas won, but we enjoyed it, you know. Obviously, it's business, but you obviously get to see the place as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. And I, I love fighting away. There's no pressure. Everywhere, as soon as you fight away, people think, oh, he's, he's either going for money, he's not, you know, he's probably going to get beat. But, you know, but I believe, you know, I won't take a fight just for that, them reasons. I, I go there, I believe in it, I can beat him. And that's, you know, and that's why I'm going. And I'm, I'm going to experience it all. But, we're going out to Dubai for a couple of weeks to climatise and get used to the weather and and all. Well, this my team say that's the best um, the best place to go to get ready for Japan because we're going to have three and a half weeks there. But they said no, we go here first. So I'm away for probably three to three and a half weeks getting ready for this fight. Um, you know, and it's costing a lot of money. So you know, it's as long as it puts me in the best stead possible to beat this kid, that's what I'm doing. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I've got um, six weeks tomorrow I'll be fighting. So 
I've got three weeks left over here, in, uh, well, just under three weeks, and then we fly out, and then the last three weeks just solid training, and hopefully we're going to pull off a big upset in what in some people's eyes there'll be a big upset, um, and I'm looking forward to it. Brilliant, man, brilliant. And as I said earlier, for a while there were those rumours that you were really struggling to make the weight. You said that you've brought on a new you know, a new team in terms of nutrition and stuff like that. I did see a picture of you the other day on Twitter with your top off, and I must say you looked in really good shape already. Are you far from fighting weight at the moment? Yeah, we're on course. I'm well on course. Um, you know, this is best I've felt, best I've looked six weeks in. We've got six weeks left. Um, you know, I'm feeling and I'm, I'm looking brilliant, you know, and um, this will be the best I've met the weight, you know. I've never, I, I suppose people, you know, before they move up, they, they think, oh, I need to move up next fight. I'm struggling. I've never, and on me, I've never thought I'm moving up now. I'm struggling here. I've never, I've never, I've never felt that. So, I know I can campaign at bantamweight if I choose to. We were just moving up to super bantam or maybe featherweight for the you know for these opportunities. What's come my way because he's moved up. I know it. It gives me that buzz I need to go and fight a great a great fighter and you know what people believe is pound for pound this and pound for pound that. These are what I want. That's why I was seeking moving up to super bantam or maybe featherweight because these are the challenges I want. I'm, if I'm fighting people like Solly, so People don't, you know, think, oh, McDonald should school this kid. He's easy work for McDonald. You know, you let your guard down. You still train hard. You still get on and do it. But it's the drive. It's the drive in there compared to these big fights. So um, as soon as this fight come along, Dave's like, do you want to stay at Bantamweight, uh, you know, and fight this kid? Um, and to be fair, I didn't I didn't know him. I didn't even know I didn't know him. And then... My brother's like, I said, yeah, yeah, fair enough, I'll have it. Because Dave's like, oh, he's next best thing. He's in pound for pound. And started reeling all that off, and that were enough for me. So I said, yeah, let's take it. And then I turned to the side to my brother, and <laughs> my brother's like, it's good, bro. It's good. And I said, is he? He's like, yeah, he said, but he's nothing you haven't seen before. He said, you can beat this kid. And then as soon as I got him uh, car on way on from gym, I looked him up. And as soon as I seen him, I know I can beat him. Um, and you know, so that's just got me more motivated and, and looking forward to you know uh, a challenge and you know hopefully defend my belt, which I believe I'm capable of doing, especially in Japan. And not taking your eye off the prize here at all, but obviously the the obvious fight, the easy fight to make in many people's eyes would have been yourself against Ryan Burnett. Surely that would have done big numbers in the UK. Was that ever a fight that was presented to you at all? It's never been put to me, obviously. Um, the fight's there, you know. If we won the fight, it's there, um, you know. But it don't it's a good fight, a great fight, but it don't get me, it don't get me buzzing like this fight does, you know. Like Rice stepped up to world is a good, you know. I said uh, I we took uh, Ryan to Texas to spar, and I knew he'd be a world champion. I just thought it might have been when I moved up uh, a weight until he he come along fast and he picked up these world titles. So um, it's a great fight, but you know. I think I beat Anui, um and we'll see what you know, see what fights are out there. You know, if they can make that fight um, and it catches me uh, and gets me motivated, we'll take that fight. But it might be a case we move up and maybe a wait or two, and you know, and push for big, big fights. But we'll just see what happens. I've got this fight in front of me. But listen, you can't not look into the future a little bit. You know, every fighter says, you know, we won't look back. You don't look back. You just you look what's out there 
obviously after this, and that gives you a bit of motivation to make sure you win. You know, because you want them, you want the other fights and the other paydays. So you've got to make sure you win. Yeah, of course, of course. And coming down to the last couple questions now, Jamie, um, you don't have to give this to us if you don't want to, but I like to ask fighters, do you have any kind of prediction? How do you see your arm being raised come May 25th? I haven't, you know, I'd love, I'd love to just knock him out in round one, but I'm not that sort of fighter. I can't just go out there and pull a, a one-punch knockout. You know, I think I look good in a 12-round fight and I win on points. Um you know, maybe by three or four rounds, I'm open three or four points. Um, that's good enough for me. If I can get a stoppage, it's a bonus. If I can get a stoppage in round one, it's even better. But I think a good, uh, good professional um, performance, and I win on points. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think you, you certainly have the tools to do that. And finally, Jamie, um, I just want to really give you a chance to send a message out to any of your fans that may be listening, any, anything that you want to say at all, anything you want to get off your chest, just take it away. Yeah, just like to, you know, everyone gets behind me, you know, when I go to Japan, um, you know, believe in me, I can beat this kid, uh, you know, and all of my fans who, you know, support me anyway, you know, take me out off to him, but... You know, just for the the fans who don't believe in me, just just get behind me, and you know, if you don't want to get behind me, don't get behind me. But I'll prove you. You know, they're they're the people who give me motivation to keep winning. You know, you, you've got to keep proving these out as well, uh, and keep winning. So, uh, you know, just watch your space. I'm gonna, you know, go and prove everyone wrong. But yeah, thanks to everyone, you know, who support me. Okay, listen, Jamie, you've been on my bucket list for quite a while, so I'm happy to have finally got you on our show. Best of luck for May 25th. No problem. I'll be hoping and praying for a McDonald victory. Thank you for your time, and we'll catch up sometime after. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, usually the news part, but of course, I as Summer is not with us. So, um, yeah, before we carry on and, and delve into the preview in, there is a man that I must welcome now, the former heavyweight world title challenger and a good friend of mine, of course, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, my man, you know. <laughs> It's my pleasure, my man. It's my pleasure. As I said, we will be uh, doing a little special segment because there's not too many fights to preview. And to fill the time, we're going to go over, myself and Eddie, some of the funny boxer nicknames. And also, of course, we did a competition. There will be a prize um, of a T-shirt to be given out in in due course. So, you know, stay listening for that. Um, There's not too many fights to go over, really. But one fight happening later today on, um, on, I believe it's ESPN2 at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. Francisco Vargas, former world champion. That's the guy that practically had um, Stephen Smith's ear hanging off. His record 24-1 and with two draws. He takes on Rod Salka, believe it or not, former foe of... What? Yeah, former foe of Danny Garcia. That's a 10-rounder there. Um, moving over now to the Doncaster Dome. There is one fight to mention, I believe, on this bill. Former British champion Robbie Barrett, fifteen and three with one draw. He takes on Matty Fagan, twelve and three. That one's in Yorkshire, United Kingdom, of course. Uh, Steffi Ball Promotions. That one also a really um one of my favourite journeymen, actually. Adam Jones, seven and thirty with six draws. Um, he gets out again here. His opponent yet to be announced. Hopefully, it's a win for him. Uh, moving over now to Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota, USA. This one's going to be on USA Fox Sports 1. Um, what do we have here? Edna Cherry, 
36 and 7 with two draws takes on Dennis Galaza 16 and 2 um, Jamal James 22 and 1 takes on Abel Ramos 18 and 2 with two draws both those fights there are both 10 rounders um, moving over now to the King Power Stadium this is the home of Leicester City FC in Leicestershire United Kingdom one fight to mention over here for the vacant British super featherweight title in one corner Sam Bowen 12 and 0 he takes on Maxi Hughes tried and tested 18 and 3 with two draws real big step up this one for Sam Bowen I believe that's going to be a fantastic fight really it's gone under the radar to be honest also moving over now to the Ice Arena in Wales Cardiff um couple fights to mention on this one as well. Liam Williams, he gets out. I didn't even see that. 16-2 and two with one draw. I believe it's his first fight since losing to Liam Smith. He takes on Anatoly Hunanian, I think it said. 7-3 and three with one draw. Uh, also, Craig Kennedy, 16-1. and one. He's in an eight-rounder against Nicholas Grizunins, who's actually undefeated. 7-0 and oh with one draw. Um, moving over now to Belfast at the Europa Hotel. Paul Highland Jr., 17-0. He takes on David Birmingham, who's 6-1. and one. That is a 10-rounder there. I believe Paul Highland Jr. is actually mandatory um, for some big fight coming up in a few weeks I think so a little bit of a keep busy there um, Nathaniel Wilson that's the son of Chris Eubank Sr his record 4-1 and one with one draw he's the kind of um, what's the word like a strange son I suppose he's fighting at York Hall Bethnal Green he takes on a guy who's 1-16 and 16. that's a 6 rounder there um, we're really scraping the barrel, to be honest. And moving over now to Sunday, the 15th of April. So three days from now in Japan. One fight to mention over here. Daigo Higa, 15-0, puts his WBC World Flyweight title on the line against Christopher Rosales, former opponent of Andrew Selby. His record 26-3. and And also on the undercard of that, Ryota Murata, 13-1, defends his WBA World Middleweight title against Emanuele Blandamura, 20 27 and 2. Most people has probably forgot that he's the guy that got knocked out brutally by Billy Joe Saunders a few years back. I think it was for the EBU title. So yeah, two guys there that have, you know, two opponents there that have both fought in Britain um, and lost against our guys. They're both fighting in world titles here. So that's a double world title card in Japan. And finally, just to wrap up the preview in, just before we bring in our little fun segment now about the funny nicknames of boxers, in Latvia at the Olympic Sports Centre in Riga, Prince Patel, 12-0 and now with one draw. He's in an eight-rounder against a guy who's 0-1 called Andres Konot. Konovalovs, I think it said. So uh, all the very best to Prince Patel. Right, Eddie, let's talk about these funny name fighters. Um, I've managed to <laughs> compile a bit of a list here um, of, of many different guys with hilarious names. Some are quite good names, actually. Um, some are quite funny. But yeah, let's let's go through some of the names that you may know. Okay. I, you know, what, what are some of the names? Let's just discuss it. Like I say to the listeners, this is not a scripted <clears> segment <throat> here. It's pretty much off the cuff. I've got a list of names, but... You know, I don't know, Eddie knows lots and lots of boxers, and some of the names, Eddie, I'm going to throw at you, and you're probably going to say, yeah, that was his nickname, because, you know, yeah. some of these you'd have probably heard of. But what are some of the names that you remember, some of the some of the funny names that you've encountered over the years? Oh, man, honestly, um, there's obviously been a lot, of, a lot of names that I've heard, you know what I mean? Some, some of which that I don't even remember right now, and it's kind of, as soon as you put pressure on somebody, they forget stuff, especially oh, somebody man. like me who's getting old, you know what I mean? But no, um, I keep thinking of, um, 
uh, what's the, what's the one that I, I've heard the Haitian sensation. Yes. I've heard, uh, uh, crap. Uh, there was one that, I mean, I, I kind of actually like that one. It's kind of funny. It's funny to think about, it. but I, there was one that I, that I, that I had in my head and I cannot remember what it was. Um, we can come back to it. We can come back to it. But when you yeah. go on Boxrec, you can actually type in like a surname, and it will yeah. come up with um, with um, like all the boxers that had that surname. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, you can do that. So, um, funny enough, I uh, I typed in, um, and I need to, to to warn the listeners that I'm about to use an explicit word. Especially one of our listeners has got like a taxi in the, in the UK. He's a taxi driver, and he's always playing my podcast. So I'm going to give him a little a little five second warning there that if anybody is in the back, to quickly put put the podcast on pause. Um, so I just just to try and find. <laughs> You're going to laugh, Eddie. Just to try and find some funny names, I just decided I'm going to type, I'm going to type Dick into Boxrec, right? <laughs> so, Eddie, it turns out there was a guy who had one fight and he got knocked out in the one fight, right? So he's zero and one and the guy's, <laughs> the guy fought in 1904 when times were very different, okay? So yeah. 115 years ago nearly and it probably wasn't a funny name back then but this guy's name, I'm not even joking, this guy's name was Big Dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's more, there's more, there's more. There was actually two guys. There was two guys, and they were one was from Baltimore, and uh, he came along in 1904 as well. So strangely, it's the same year as Big Dick, <laughs> Little Dick. Who names it? Now, you know what? You know what? I'm thinking his name might have been Richard, and they just say, you know what? Call- Maybe. Maybe, but that's oh. his last name. So I don't know, Richard. Oh, real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little was his first name. There was Big and Little. They might have been brothers. Who knows? But oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. There was also funny enough. I actually, again, this just came up. I swear to God, there's a guy. There was a guy from Indiana, um, yeah. Indianapolis, Indiana, called Eddie Dick. He's spelled exactly the same as as the way the way you spell Eddie with the I E at the end. Oh, why that that wasn't me? Trust me. <laughs> I was not playing around when I was... 1928, he made his debut. Yeah, and there's also a guy called Fighting Dick as well. Zero and two. (laughs) From North Carolina. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, getting off the explicit names, coming on to some of the the funny ones. um, This would be... Do you remember a boxer who had a nickname The Explosive Fin Man? Them, but no, I don't even know. Yeah, but you heard of the boxer? You heard of the boxer Alexis Arguello, right? Yeah, yeah. He was known as the explosive fin man. I didn't know that though. I thought Are you, you might. Serious? Yeah, yeah. That was his nickname. What? Man. I mean, he was explosive and he was thin, so I guess. You know, <laughs> no, but one of the go on, go on. Say again. I said one thing leads to another, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I, I suppose. Mean, I suppose. But I tell you, who had a good nickname? I mean, he's, he's not fighting now. I think he's recently retired. I hope so, anyway. But James Lights Out Tony, I loved that. I really liked that name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. And it, and, it got, and it actually was, you know, because you watched a lot of his fights, especially early on, there was a lot of lights going out. So he, he was putting people's lights out anyway. So that was perfect for him. 
I know that Lay. Sorry, go on, Eddie. No, no, you're good. No, I was going to say Layla Ali. Her nickname oh. was She Be Stinging, which yeah, I thought was, was quite cool because obviously her dad with the. Uh, yeah, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and her one was She Be Stinging. So yeah. that was yeah, quite I like clever. That <laughs> um, I also liked Michael Nunn's one. Do you remember his one? Second to None, yeah. I did Second like that. To none. Yeah, that yeah. was clever. Um, yeah. One of the funny ones as well. Do you remember Owen Beck? Yeah, what the... <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yo, that was one of the ones I would have mentioned. Owen, what the heck? <laughs> Owen, what the heck, Beck? That was wicked. Yeah. Um, Ernie Shavers. Obviously, we remember him, Eddie, as you know, being um, what they used to say was one of the hardest punches the heavyweight division ever produced. His yeah. nickname, and I didn't even notice. Do you, remember, do you know what his nickname was? The acorn, right? The acorn, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I wonder why. I have no idea. I don't know. I guess acorns, I don't know if they're hard or what. I guess hard. To, I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing, it's, you know, if you ever pick one up, though, then things are hard as a monkey. You step on it, it ain't going to do nothing. It just digs into the ground. But, I mean, I'm guessing maybe that's why he caught him that. But that's how hard he punched anyway. And, sure. and a, a boxer that you fought, Eddie. Calvin Brock. Yeah, the boxing banker. You know what? I don't know what I didn't know what his name was until the fight. I thought he had a different name until we fought. And then I was the boxing banker. I'm like, huh? Like, I didn't know that was his name. He must have changed it because I thought it was something else before I heard something somebody said. There's no, it's the boxing banker. I said, wow. Was he a banker? Huh? Was he a banker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he, he was all in that. And I was surprised. You know what I mean? I, I mean, now, I don't know why he looks like he could be in, in something like that. He, you know what I mean? He was like more of a clean kind of suit and tie kind of dude. So it kind of seemed to me that that could be him. But, you know, once his, that was his name, I was like, okay, well, I guess it kind of fits. But it was funny that that was his name, the boxer banker. Yeah, that but, was a good one. I liked yeah. that. I liked that. Yeah. That was a good one. But another guy that you fought as well, who he's got kind of like, I suppose, like a bit of a scary uh, yeah. name. And yeah. do you know who I'm going to say? Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like I know who you're going to say. Go on in. Sam Peter. Oh, he had a great nickname, man. He was a, what was he like, Eddie, to fight? Because that guy, like, you know, when he used to speak English, do you remember that, that infamous yeah. interview he did when he said, like, I want, I want who next? Do you remember that? Who next? Who next? No, he didn't say next. He said who nitch. Yeah, yeah, basically. He was what was he like to fight? Because he, he, was, he was scary, man. He was a scary guy. Of all the people you would, you would think would be most menacing. Now, granted, he's a, a wide dude. Not super tall, but wide, right? And he looks strong. and He is strong, right? But he has, he's like the coolest acting guy on earth. One of the, not, you know, not everybody, no. But he's just like one of those dudes that, like I, I went and spoke to him after the fight. He was all hey, happy, like happy to, you know, to see and, and speak. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you would have thought you won. You know what I mean? He, he's like, he was really pleasant. Like he seemed like a pleasant dude. He didn't seem, he's, a, don't get me wrong, his punching power and all that. And I guess you know, he seemed young. I don't know if that makes, if that makes any sense. He seemed like a, like a kid kind of, you know what I mean? Like uh, he just, he's, he's, he's really, he wasn't, he wasn't as menacing as you would think. Now, when in the ring, obviously, you know, his big punching power is a threat. But um, aside from that, man, 
And he was actually not even dirty. He wasn't dirty at all. He didn't try any, you know, like hitting after the, off the break. He didn't do nothing that you would think a guy with the name Nigerian Nightmare would do. So <laughs> he actually was not a bad opponent to have, to be honest. And I know that's, that sounds crazy, but that's the truth. Yeah, he was... Uh... Yeah, that's 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 a brilliant nickname he had there, the Nigerian Nightmare. Um, yep. Also, like I say, Calvin Brock, two guys that you fought there. Just yep. to point out yep. to the listeners, both guys were outpointed by Eddie Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I got one, though. I got one. Um, my my man, uh, Dominic Gwynn, he had a pretty decent name. Like, I mean, I guess it's nice. But, they call, you know, they call him the Southern Disaster, you know what I mean? Because he's from down south from, I think, I forget where he's from. Uh, I think, no, it's from Arkansas, I think he was. Dominic Gwynn? Yeah, Dominic Gwynn. Okay, yeah, yeah. Maybe he called it, did he call himself the disaster after or before he fought you, Eddie? <laughs> I think it was before, I think it was Was after. it during, was it during the fight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it was. No, but you know what? Yeah, it's funny that that, but he, he did have that name, but yeah, it, it was probably more so after than before. Now, but he, oh, he was, the, he was one of the, Toughest dude. They thought he was going to be that guy at one point. And then uh, Monty, which I actually like his name too, Monty Barrett, kind of derailed that. Mon- yeah. Monty, two guns, two guns Barrett. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that was a good one as well. Um, what else have I got here? I've got um, a, a boxer called Lou Jenkins. Um, I've I've never heard of him, to be honest with you. That sounds so. Old school name. Old <laughs> well, anyway, this guy's name, this guy's nickname, and it's, it's a real mouthful. His nickname was the Sweet Swatter from Sweetwater, Texas. <laughs> where, the, where do they make this up? What is a Sweet Swatter? <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm picturing it. Eddie, I'm picturing like a guy with like this, like, you know, plastic swatter to get flies with. But he's really sweet with the way he swings it or something. I don't know. That's what it sounds like, yo. And and that's not a good thing. You don't want to be a sweet swatter. You know what I'm saying? You want to be like a sinister swatter or something. But you don't be no sweet nothing, especially if you a dude and you in the ring fighting. You don't want nobody to call. You know what? I forgot Sweet Did I tell P. you my dad's name? Yeah, you told me. Yeah, yeah, but I forgot it. What was it? Remind the listeners that oh, may not know. Because Eddie's dad uh, boxed amateur, right, Eddie? Yeah, he was he was a good amateur up in, in the area, like around Pittsburgh and, and, and the East Coast, basically, more so. And, uh, back then, they didn't travel, I guess, as far. You know what I mean? Maybe they had some national tournaments, but they wasn't traveling that much. But anyway, uh, his name was Eddie Cutie Pie Chambers. That was the awesome name right there. <laughs> that's going to get you into a lot of fights, and that's exactly why they had gave him that name back then. <laughs> told, I'm sure you told me the story of why he was called the Cutie Pie. Well, because, I mean, well, they say he had a lot of success, I guess, back in the day with women. I asked, you know, I guess that's the baby. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, that's, but not only that, not, it was like because I guess he looked a certain way, but on top of that, he was like 132 pounds. Real thin, no real muscle definition or nothing like that. And um, my dad was 5'8", so 132. He was kind of tall. Um, 125 and went to 132 back then. But um, And they were calling that name. And everybody would call him that name. So the guys he was fighting was just like, cutie pie. You know what I mean? They get a little attitude with him. Like, oh, he's a punk. We're going to get in there. We're going to dust him off real easily. And obviously it was the other way around. So they was... 
they were obviously giving him that name so they could get fights and get guys gassed up thinking that he wasn't going to be much. And he actually didn't look like much, so <laughs> hence that name. And obviously they gave him, and they obviously gave the guys a rude awakening. So, But that was what it was. That was what it was for. Excellent, man. Little history lesson there from Eddie. Um, there's a guy called Louis Furpo. And again, this is a guy that I haven't heard of, Eddie, so excuse my uh, my, my poor knowledge. Is that, is that a guy that you've heard of at all before I say his nickname? Was it Louis... Louis Furpo. Nah, I mean, nah. It's going to look really bad if I research afterwards and find out he was like a five-weight world champion. But anyway, his, it, um, but, hey. his nickname was the Wild Bull of the Pampas, which again, what? <laughs> the Wild Bull of the Pampas. Um, the Bull of the Pampas? The Wild Bull of the Pampas, yeah. Um, of the, of the Pampas, like Pampers, like diapers, like like baby what? <laughs> what? Like, what the fuck? Not Pampers. Like P A M P A S. Yeah, Pampers, I suppose, but not not E R. Oh. <laughs> not nappies, man. Oh, I was like, yo, what the fuck? I said, what? It must be where he's wait, from. Wait, he's wait, wait. Let me tell you about... or something. Like, what yeah, I heck? think so. He must have been. I think so. I don't <laughs> but know it sounds around. a lot funnier. It, we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave it as what we thought it might have been the nappies, the the diapers. <laughs> what about this been... guy, Eddie? You've heard of Two Ton Tony Galento? Surely. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Do you know how he got that name? <laughs> no. <laughs> I tell you right now, right? This is a true story. He owned a bar, like a restaurant yeah. bar, and um, yeah. he had a massive delivery for loads of ice. So. Right. He actually got dropped off like two tons of ice, right? Now, people believe that, they, that you know, he was called two-ton Tony Galento because he was a big fat guy. But really, it was because he got dropped off two tons of ice and he had no one to help him to move it from inside of a van into his freezers inside the, uh, you know, the restaurant, the bar, whatever. Yeah. So, no one helped him, so he moved the whole two tons of ice himself, and he had a fight that evening. And he went, oh. he turned up for the fight, and I think he beat the guy by knockout in the like between about within about five rounds. He knocked the guy out, and that was it. He, the, the, the nickname stuck. He become two two ton Tony Galento. That's a true story. That um, there's a guy here, and I sorry Eddie, gone what? No, no, no. That's right. That's good. I'm listening. It's, there's there's a guy here, and I haven't verified this one, but someone sent this one in, um, and the guy's name, <laughs> the guy's name was Vaughn Shake and Bake Bean. Vaughn Bean. Oh yeah, that was his name. Yeah, Shake and Bake Bean. <laughs> Apparently, this is true. I haven't checked. I haven't checked. I haven't checked that one up. But to be, you know, I know Vaughn Bean. He fought Holyfield. Do we? <laughs> yeah, if that's the Vaughn Bean I'm thinking of. I there think can't be more than one Vaughn Bean. Yeah, well, I don't think so. And especially with Shake and Bake is the, is the nickname. Because I, I, mean, I didn't know that was his name. Yeah, his name was his name was Shake and Bake. Yeah, I've just checked it, yeah. John, 45 and 5, his record was. Yeah. Wow. Vaughn, Shake and Bake Bean. And his last fight, his last fight was in uh, 2005. Yeah. He got yeah, beat. He got beat by Dimitrenko, a man that Eddie Chambers later beat by decision. 
Moving on to the next, uh, the next, the next name. We've got um, Humberto Soto. He's got a good name. Yeah, was it, uh, you know what? I never even thought of his name. What was his name? The Crafty Little Fox. That's his name. <laughs> yeah, the Crafty. Yeah, Little I Fox. guess. I guess he's crafty. You know, give him that name. Why not? Owen, what the heck, Beck? Someone else sent that one in again. Um, <laughs> I was reading this one out the other day. Everybody. <laughs> Henry Sugar Poo Buchanan. Yes. Yeah, I that you know what? I never thought of that's it. That honestly, um I'm not hating, I just don't like the, the sugar poo, the part you know I mean <laughs> like that just sounds ah, you know what I mean, for a fighter. Don't get me wrong, I mean I guess cutie pie is not good or you know what I mean, some of these names are just not good for fighters and I guess that's kinda good, but to use and maybe make people think you're a little soft. I don't know why they would think that, especially if you're a professional at a top level. But still, right. I'm giving don't... you, I'm giving you an ultimatum, Eddie. Yeah. Okay. For the rest of your life, you've got to have one nickname. Oh. Okay. Okay. Piece out of these two. Okay. <clears throat> so the first one, <laughs> your name can be Eddie Sugarpoo Chambers. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that that's actually got a ring to it, by the way. No pun intended. <laughs> listen, no, listen. <laughs> or you can you can have the the name that David Hay gave you that time, which 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 oh, I still you. think was funny, Eddie. <laughs> I do too. I actually like that name. And <laughs> for those that may not know, Eddie, what was the name he gave you, man? Fast food chamber. <laughs> No, no, no! Fast food, Eddie <laughs> Just for people that may, for people that may not know, obviously, uh, you know Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I swear, Eddie, Eddie Chambers. Swear. This has been the funniest podcast ever, by the way. But Eddie Chambers, you know, he's fast, Eddie Chambers, and he's, you know, he's called that because he's he's in, insanely fast for a heavyweight with his hands, but. Um, I suppose I suppose David Hay thought that maybe he he you know gained a bit of weight in his belly and um, he decided <laughs> he really said like gained a bit of weight like oh they call you fast food but you ain't gained that much weight did you? <laughs> hold up hold up hold up you ever see the great white hype that's what I should have been looking like and just call me fast food that's the perfect name for him. You kidding me? Not the Grim Reaper. They call him fast food. That's <laughs> Eddie. So, Eddie, what name are you rolling with for the rest of your life? Fast food Eddie Chambers or Eddie Sugar Poo Chambers? I'm definitely rolling with fast food. That's that's my matter of fact. I swear, you think I'm joking? I am going to change my name. <laughs> I'm dead up. I'm a dude. I'm putting fast food on my trunk and everything. Fast food at each as it is. For the second half, that's how we rolling. I'm dead ass serious. You think I'm joking? Watch. You're going to see him like, this motherfucker was serious. He put on his on his trunks and on his grove fast food. He's going to have the announcer say, fast food. Yeah, that's going to be me, son. I'm telling you. Watch. You're going to be laughing. Because I'm putting that on my stuff. Watch. I may oh not God. say it, though, because I don't know if it'll sound as good. But if you imagine Michael Buffer saying that, or, oh. or Jimmy Lennon, or Jimmy Lennon, oh, man. They've probably never said fast food in their lives, those two guys. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they probably haven't. You know what I mean? Even walking past McDonald's, they don't even let that come out their mouth. But they will do it now. They will do it now. That would be so funny. Oh, and you, hey, you better believe if I, if it's a big fight, especially if I got like a 10-pack, you know what I mean? I'm all shredded up and ready to roll. I'm definitely going to be called fast food then. <laughs> that is, that is going to be my... Even if I was fast, definitely going to be that. There, there was a guy. <laughs> there was a guy from London. Um, his name was actually Samuel Elias, but he changed his. Well, he wasn't. He didn't change his name, but he was known as Dutch Sam. Now, there's nothing funny about that. He was. Um, he was born in. Um, I think in 1775. Well, anyway, he oh. had a boxing career between 1801 and 1814. So we're really, um, you know, opening up the the history books here to get this guy. But his that nickname, is... say yeah. again. That's it. Damn, that's a long yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this could have been a relation to one of us at some point. But anyway, his name yeah. was the Terrible Jew. That was his nickname. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, no. (laughs) Listen to this guy, though. There was a guy. Have you ever heard of this boxer called Andrew Maynard? Yeah, I have heard. That name sounds familiar. Andrew Maynard, yeah. Well, anyway, his nickname, I suppose they just couldn't come up with a nickname. (laughs) They couldn't come up for it. Wait, wait, wait. They couldn't come up with a nickname for him, so his nickname was just Boxing. <laughs> but... <laughs> they used to introduce him as Boxing Andrew Maynard. I'm yeah, being serious. I, yeah, oh, I know. I heard of him now because I have. You know, there's a few guys. I think there's a few guys that had that Boxing, <laughs> Boxing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we're doing, right? So, I mean, everybody's nickname should be Boxing. Even if you haven't, that should be the nickname on top of the nickname. You know, like, like, like you know, Boxing. Fast food, Eddie Chambers. That's me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I change my shit to that now. <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> boxing, the fast food. You get it? Boxing, the fast food. Before you take it home, need oh. it's me, right? Boxing, fast food. No, boxing, the fast food, Eddie Chambers. You got to say it all together too, because if you don't say it all together, it won't make much sense. But if you say it like that, we got it. Let's do that. Let's do that. You should I'll definitely do that. You should definitely do that. We got sent this one in on Twitter from at Boxing Tribe UK. He's a, he's an Irish guy. Um, people that aren't following, go follow him. He, he, he posts lots of streams and stuff like that for big fights. He's a good guy. He sent in a guy called The Punching Postman, a guy called Sam Hill. But yeah. when I actually checked that out, Sam Hill was The Punching Policeman, not The Punching I- Postman. <laughs> so, um, oh my god not with all this police brutality crap going on around right now we don't yeah. need to hear nothing about no punching policemen at all no, we don't <laughs> well it, it'd be better to to have punching policemen than shooting policemen right now of course but um that is true yeah but i mean that doesn't win i'd like to give i'd like to give that you know give that a winner but he, he just got it wrong a tiny bit so um so uh yeah that one um you know, thanks, thanks for sending that one in, Boxing Tribe. Um, Boxing Tribe UK, I should say. Um, Archie Moore, Eddie. Yeah. Do you remember his nickname? I, I, if I, if you say it, I'll probably remember. The old up. mongoose. Yeah, yeah, the mongoose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's quite, that's a contender there. That was sent yeah. in, by the way, um, yeah. on Twitter by 
by a lady called I, I really I really apologize if I'm going to say this name wrong but I believe it's at Sedem Ama I could be wrong but yeah that's a lady that sent that one in um yeah the old Mongo Sedi not not really the um the prettiest name I suppose but definitely definitely a bizarre and funny one yeah it's nice though I like I like the Mongo that old Mongo <laughs> yo you know the one I think is going to win though you know what because it just it makes very little sense but it's just it just I don't I don't understand how somebody can say that but <laughs> you know what you're thinking about the one you told me last week which one the Roy Jones one Oh wait, we're coming to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're coming to that. No one sent that one in. If somebody sent that one in, they would have won a hundred percent, without a doubt. Because but there's a wicked one here, and this one got sent in by um, at Ben Molyneux one eight two, and this one's really good. A boxer <laughs> called Juan Lascano. Do you remember his one? No, no, no. Eddie, this guy's nickname was the Hispanic Causing Panic. Yeah. That's wicked. I forgot about that. Yeah, I do remember that one. Oh, what was his name? What's his name again? Juan Lascano, I believe. I haven't checked that one out, though. Oh, no, there's another There's another guy that was called that. He was no a kid. Damn, who? Damn, what? Damn, maybe I just don't understand the way you're saying this. Say his name again. Oh, I'm not saying it again if I keep saying it wrong. Let me check this guy out. Maybe there was two. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna check this guy out here. Um, Damn, I'm trying to remember. No, he, he has got that name. He's 37 and five with one. Yeah. he could have been the contender. He took on Ricky Hatton actually. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. What was his name again? His name was Juan Lascano, like Juan, you know. Oh, Juan Lascano. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, my pronunciation yeah. was fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know what? He took it on. He, he lost to Jose Castillo, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember Juan Lascano. He was like a contender at one point. He was one of the one of the guys that I could. I forgot all about him. Yeah, the Hispanic. That's called, a brilliant one. I forgot about that. That was one of my favorite names. Was that? You know? <laughs> that yeah. That's a brilliant one. That that is a real contender. I think that that that's looking like the winner right now. To be honest. Um, yeah. What else have we got? What else have we got? We've got, oh, yeah, also sent in by Ricey underscore SUFC. Ricey's um, one of our most loyalist listeners, to be honest. He's been listening for a long, long while now. Um, Give him a shout out, actually, Eddie. Ricey, he's a great, great guy. Oh, say it? Oh, hey, well, I want to give a major shout out to Ricey. I like the name, too. He's uh... (laughs) a... He's obviously a very special individual, and he likes our show. You know what I mean? It's not our show. You know what I mean? Yay. Just, Overstepping the mark, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't be, don't be trying to take, like, put yourself in the money. You ain't you ain't in there yet. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but, but we do appreciate, okay, I do appreciate you from the outside, you know, supporting the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he sent in Darnell Wilson's nickname. Oh, Damn, I cannot believe I forgot about that one. Yeah. How did you forget about that? The dingling man. <laughs> you know, I heard that it had nothing to do with him, with his punching power in boxing. I heard it had something to do with something that I'm not even going to say right now. <laughs> but that's what I heard. I mean, I could be wrong. But his name was the dingling man. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> we're, we're, the less said, the better on that one. But yeah, thank yeah. you for sending that one in, Ricey. Also, sent in by at. King Neri. This is a guy called Carl Davis. He sent in 
a guy called Carl Place, who I'd never heard of, but his nickname was the Bulbhead. <laughs> the bulb head, <laughs> like the light bulb head, but just the bulb head. The bulb head. <laughs> oh my god! And you know what's bad about that? Light bulbs are really, really, really brittle. You could crack a light bulb on anything. On a paper towel, you could crack a damn light bulb. So you don't want to. You don't want to be called the bulb head. I mean, I just don't feel like that's a good name at all for you. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's not good. He did did okay. He uh, he retired. It's looking like he retired. He hasn't fought for just over um, just over six years now. So I guess he's retired. But yeah, his record was sixteen and one. So uh, well, hey, the bulb didn't bust too much. So he did some good stuff, man. You know. Yep. Yep. Credit to the bulb head. Uh, Thank you for sending (laughs) that one in. Also, this one, and again, Eddie, if somebody would have sent this one in, I've checked this one out as well. This is verified. If someone would have sent this one in, they'd have probably probably won the T-shirt. There's a guy called Adam Richards, and he was called Adam <laughs> the Swamp Donkey Richards. Why, Eddie? <laughs> Swamp Donkey, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, like I said, if someone would have sent that one in, I would have probably give it to, to them, to be honest. Um, also... Go on. That's a major contender, but that is a contender. But nobody sent it in. I actually found that one myself. Um, you did? Yeah, I found that one myself. What about Rendell Monroe, the boxing binman? The boxing. Bin... He was Another... a good fighter, though, man. But you know what? And that's, it's like it's so. It, there's a lot of guys, right, that have those like, like almost bad names. I mean, I guess bad in the sense that you would think because they're so good that they wouldn't have a name. They would, you know, say that they're not good. I mean, you think a, a boxing trash man would be trash, right? <laughs> but no. you know, a lot of these good guys with these bad names are actually pretty damn good. Definitely, man. I mean, um, I mentioned his son earlier because his son's now a boxer called Tim Su. Um, Costa Zoo, his nickname was the Thunder from Down Under, obviously, you know, being from Australia. Yeah. That's a brilliant yeah. nickname, man. I do like that. I did. Like that. You know what? I didn't mean. You know what's funny? It's been so it's been so long. You know, when you look at these guys, I forgot that that was his name. Yeah. I didn't. I you know, I, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Damn. And also, Carmen Basilio, what a fighter he was back in the day. Um, yeah. You know, we remember him for his for his many many fights. He was a brilliant brilliant champion. I think he died just a couple of years ago as well. So very sad loss for the boxing world. But he had a great great nickname: the Upstate Onion Farmer. <laughs> that would have won. Yeah, you, you gotta win. You gotta win with an onion farmer name, though. No, you gotta win. The upstate onion farmer? You that's like that's numero uno. That's like that's I can't the best think one. Of but, but, but coming down to the nicknames that you, you said earlier, Eddie, about the um the the, the Roy Jones one. That has to be a winner. There's, yeah, but there's a similar one to that. There was a guy called Richard... I think his name was Richel Hersicia. Yeah. And this guy's name, he was from the Netherlands. He was actually known as the Dutch Sonny Liston. <laughs> the Dutch Sonny Liston? Yeah, yeah, the, the Dutch, Dutch Sonny Liston. Huh? <laughs> the Dutch I guess. I mean, that one I think is a little bit better. You know, in a sense, when I say better, I mean, makes more sense. Because you know you, you could be Dutch and be like Sonny Liston, but this other one I just don't understand how you can say that. No, no, <laughs> I agree, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But yeah, this guy here, um, Richelle 
Hercicia, the Dutch Sonny Liston, he he retired with a record of 32 and 3. He only lost to uh, Audley Harrison, he, he lost to back in 2004. He lost to Taras Bidenko, I remember him, and he lost to Ray Mercer in his, in his last ever loss, a majority decision that one. But yeah, shout out to uh, the Dutch Sonny Liston. Also, um, yeah, let's talk about Shagayev. He was—he's the White Tyson. That's a, that's another right. bad one. Right. I forgot about him. Yeah, he was the White Tyson. Yeah, I do remember that. And also, um, <laughs> there was the one that you really like, Eddie, a guy that's still boxing now, Ishmael Tete. He fought in the UK a couple months ago. <laughs> I think he got stopped in the first round. Um, the Black Roy Jones Jr. He's from Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's from Ghana, so uh, he, he he's actually black as well. And obviously, Roy Jones is black himself. It doesn't make much sense, Eddie, does it? No. <laughs> How do you call it? the black Roy Jones Jr.? Okay, I get why he said it, because he's like probably real dark. <laughs> and Roy Jones is like fair, a bit fair, more fair than him, I would think. But to say the black Roy Jones, because black is 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 a, is a color, yeah, but black is also a, like kind of a race, right? I mean, so if you're both the same, how you gonna call yourself the black Roy? It just doesn't make. Now you could say the white Roy Jones, too, but that would make even less sense in that situation. But to say the black Roy Jones, oh my, he's African, right? He yeah, could have yeah, said yeah. African. Why did he just say the African Roy Jones Jr.? Your guess Why is as good as mine, Eddie. Your guess is as good as mine. Honestly, nobody knows. Um, there was there was another guy, though. Freddie Norwood. Do you remember him? Yeah, I do remember Freddie Norwood. Yeah. He was like, he was bald. And I suppose someone along the way must have told him he looks a little bit like Marvin Hagler. Just in the sense, yeah. really, that he was bald. And his nickname was Little Hagler. You know what I mean? So yeah, 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 yeah. I remember Freddie Norwood. Yo, he did. He, I guess he did kind of look like him a little bit. The little maybe, one, maybe. Was a little hack Yeah. And yeah. not to uh, not to be disrespectful to the to the great boxer, but Bernard Hopkins, Eddie, fellow, fellow. I was about to say fellow Philadelphian, but fellow yeah. Philadelphian um, Bernard Hopkins. When he went with the Alien, that never suited him, that nickname. I don't know what that was about. When he used to walk out with the Alien mask on. You know why, you know why they called him that, right? It's no. because, I'll tell you why. They called him that, well, you know, it was the executioner for years. Yeah, but that they was called better, him, though. That was a good nickname. Of course. But no, but you know why they called him the Alien was because they were saying he, he must not be from this world, I guess, because he's so old and still able to compete with the young guys. He's just got to be like an alien or something. You know what I mean? So they just call him alien. That was... I don't know. It, it just was a bit oh. weird when you see like a 50-year-old man walking out with an alien mask on, you know? <laughs> yeah, it does. Look, that, that, that would make you a little like, what the fuck is this? But <laughs> I guess that was his, his stick. That was his new thing. Like, that was his reinvention. Like, him being... Like, he can't be human, basically. You know what I mean? He's an alien. You know, he can't be like... Somebody this old should not be competing on this level, but I guess I guess that was the reason they're calling the alien. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess I guess whatever for whatever reason it worked for him. But this coming, is fun. And coming down to the last two now, um, I mean he's a friend of the show, 
but he does have quite a well I don't want to say silly because I like the guy but Dennis Duglin the mama's boy I mean obviously we know it's because his mother is his mother is his corner woman and his trainer um, you know and his mother used to box as well but that is like I suppose that's up there with the funny ones for sure you know yeah that's the but you know what he is a mama's boy <laughs> I mean it ain't like he it ain't like the name don't suit it you know <laughs> the mama's boy definitely works there you know what I mean she's definitely doing the whole job for him so well not the whole job he's still gonna fight but you know what I mean but at the end of the day she's in the corner she's doing everything she's training him can't be mad no, it's, it's, I like him, you know, so not laughing too much at that. But this one would have won as well, um, Eddie. And I don't think that you'd have heard of this guy because he retired with a record of 3-12. and 12. Um, He won all three of his fights by knockout, but he lost nine of his 12 fights by knockout himself. His name was James Hicks. Um, he was actually a cruiserweight from Arkansas, USA. Southpaw he was as well, but it just didn't really work out for him in the boxing world. But anyway, he had a very, very um, funny sense of humor when it comes to choosing his nickname. His name was, like I say, his name was Mitch Hicks. His name was James Mitch Hicks. But his, his alias, his nickname, Eddie, a brilliant nickname for a guy that loses more than wins. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> James, James, hold my beer, Hicks, or what the fuck, or Mitch, hold my beer, you know what, I like that name. Uh, you can't have that as well, man, you there's too many, you, you're going to be like, hold, hang on a minute, what are we saying it now, it's going to be, um, box the fast food and hold my yes. beer, Eddie Chambers. I'm the, I'm the new champ. I'm going to get a belt somehow, and it's going to be this way right here. I'm getting you know, the fast food. I was going to say, no, forget boxing the fast food. We're just going to leave it at fast food Eddie Chambers. That's the, that, that's the name. That's that funny. is the name. I'm going to have a box of fries stencil on my trunks. And well, I'm, I'm telling you. Well, for a long time, Joseph Parker was sponsored by Burger King. Do you remember that? Hey, you know, damn, that could have been his name. Joseph Burger King Parker. That, <laughs> yeah. that was dope. Forget whatever name he got now. He could have used that thing. Do you know? Burger King sponsorship. Damn. Eddie, talking of journeyman, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was looking at. I was looking at um, some of the worst journeymen um, that have ever laced up, you know, a pair of gloves. And there was one guy. He he doesn't. Well, he's kind of got a funny name, I suppose. But like his name was Eric Crumble. Have you heard of this guy? Yo, my God! You yeah, heard of this guy already? I think I, I think I might have heard of him. He I had think thirty-one I fights. How many do you think he won? None. <laughs> he won none. He lost thirty-one times. How did he lose all thirty-one times, Eddie? Did he get took the, took to the decision every time? No, he got knocked out every single time he got in the ring. He, Eddie, he never got to round three in his life. He got knocked out in the first and he got knocked out in the first and second round every fight thirty-one times in a row before he gave up. Damn, he was like, yo, this is. <laughs> he was like, man, I don't care about getting knocked out. I've done it twenty times before. I'm gonna go in again. I was speaking to one of my friends the other day, though, and he was saying, surely if you get knocked out about five times in a row, you just think, do you know what? Maybe boxing's not for me. 
<laughs> he was like, man, look, eventually I'm going to get up and walk through this thing. No, sir. It just never happened. Yeah. Oh, but Eddie, if we could give Eric Crumble a nickname, it would have to be Apple, right? Oh, <laughs> no. Cookie. <laughs> and, and they would have to put an S on his name, too. Cookie Crumbles. That's what they call his ass. Yo, he, yo, he got knocked out every time. Damn! <laughs> he didn't even see the third round? He didn't even see the third round. Damn. Damn, in a four-round fight? He, damn. Damn, the, he didn't even see the... Damn, that's just the thing about... He didn't even see the... He never saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, put he never way. even saw the damn tunnel. He just kept getting knocked the hell out. <laughs> we'll put it this way, right? He was from Wisconsin. Um, oh. He, in his whole career, he had 31 fights. Like I say, he only boxed 42 rounds in his whole career. So most <laughs> of the time he got stopped in the first round. <laughs> Eddie, you've probably done about, you've probably done about, how many rounds of sparring would you say you've done in... I don't know, like when you're when you're you know, when you're getting ready for a fight, you've done oh. more you do more than forty two rounds in one camp, right? Way more than that. Way more. Way more. You do that I in mean, a week? It, for, nah, and you know, for me I've done like um when I was getting ready for Dem, for not Demon Train, but when I was getting ready for uh Tomas, I, I did I did a major week, one week and we were doing four days a week, um, two days. It was Monday it was Monday, Tuesday, um, Thursday, Friday sparring. So we did um, I think I did 10 on Monday, 12 Tuesday, 15 Thursday, and that's 12. it. You've, you've just you've just done Eric Crumble's whole career in like three days. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So see, that, that isn't that crazy when you think about that? And think about this: if 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 I fought four four twelve round one, if four no three. Uh, three twelve rounders. I would have just missed it, but four twelve rounders. I would have had his career anyway. I would have, I would have been over. You know what I mean? So that's damn. Yeah. I feel bad when you think about that. That's bad, man. Damn. Yeah, but the mad thing is, you know, like when you get knocked out. In fact, I'm going to look at this. He, this is I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. He made his debut in 1990. He got knocked out in the second round against a guy who was two and zero, and then he decided to not box for three years because he obviously didn't really fancy you know boxing he probably got knocked out straight away and thought yeah maybe not but then he decided to box again in 1993 got knocked out in the first round Uh, then he fought in 1994 (laughs) got knocked out in the first round again and then um, one year he was really busy though he was really really busy in 1997 (laughs) yeah no, no, sorry, in 2000. Yeah, no, like, he was literally getting knocked out about four times a year. <laughs> but the mad thing is, his career spanned from 1990 to 2003. So for 13 years. You getting your ass for 13 years? Well, how much money out? he made? Do you know what? I want to track him down, though, Eddie. If anybody knows, if anybody's listening to this who, who knows how we can get hold of Eric Crumble. I think he deserves oh, a seat on this show. No doubt. He, uh, he's I would like. You know what, though? And 
you know, it's, you make jokes and you laugh about it, but to have to deal with that and to wake up every day saying you chose boxing as a career because it didn't choose you, but you chose <laughs> boxing. But you chose boxing as your career. And just to keep getting reminded every day or every time you step in the ring that you're just not going to be the guy. And not only are you just not going to be the guy, but you ain't even going to be a guy that's going to win. Like, not one time. Not even I, – I, he didn't even want a round in his whole career. I just can't – I just this constant being on the losing end cannot be fun. Damn. One time I fought a guy in February 2000. He fought a guy who was eight. And 95, and he still got knocked out by him in the second round. Eight and 90. Well, you know what? See, this is the thing about those types of fights. Now, granted, eight and 95, I mean, you should have stopped a long time ago yourself, but <laughs> he has over 100 fights. You know what I'm saying? Now, being that he won a few of them, because this dude's record, he's on pace for passing him by far. He ain't won a fight in 31. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe he just, maybe that guy at 895 got to 94 and just like went on an eight and one streak or something. Could happen. <laughs> it could happen. But no. But anyway, like you look at that and it's like he has a lot of fights, regardless of how he got those fights and whether he got knocked out in the first round in 93 of them. He's still got a lot of experience. He's been in a lot of fights and he's won eight fights or seven fights previous to his, right? So, the Tadair fight. So, I mean, it looks bad and it is horrible, but there's still a lot of experience. Like there's 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 guys that I've known that have fought guys with records of like like ten and twenty or something like that. And you gotta think he won ten fights. Now granted they're probably against guys that he should you know, that, that are easy to beat or guys that he could beat. <laughs> but those but those twenty losses, he's like, oh man, and you gotta look behind the numbers too with some of those. Cause you'll take a fight like that thinking it's gonna be easy and you go in there and get your ass whooped like, how do you bum beat me? Well, probably because he went to people's hometown and lost like about 17 split decisions that he should have won. And that stuff happens, man. You figure, if you look at the guy, Michael, one of the guys Michael Nunn lost to, funny that we talk about, we brought him up second to none, but he lost to Steve Little, who was like, I think had a record of like almost a 500 record. You know what I mean? Pre a little while previous to fighting uh, uh, Michael Nunn. So, you know, he had a lot of fights and all that stuff, but he had a lot of losses. Another guy, Mo Harris, Maurice Harris, had a lot of losses, but probably one of the more talented heavyweights that was around at one point. So you look at these records, man, you got to make sure you get what's behind the numbers before you go ahead and just jump in there and fight one of these guys. Oh, man, boxing is crazy. I'm looking at a guy now who um, <clears throat> you've probably heard of this guy, Eddie. Um, his name was... Um, oh gosh, he was a journeyman. You must have heard of him. His name was Reggie Strickland. Do you know, do you know about him? Yes. Yeah. Now I know about him. He got like his record. Uh, you know, I'm not, I know you're going to say it, but his record: is... sixty-six wins, two hundred and seventy-six losses, and seventeen <laughs> draws. Right now, he fought. <laughs> no, but the funny thing is, he fought a guy, Rob Bleakley, who actually Bleakley? Who, say it again, Rob Bleakley. Yeah, he fought a guy called Rob Bleakley, who yeah. ended up with a record of 77 and 37. But anyway, when he fought this guy, Rob Bleakley, he fought him like... I just want to count how many times these guys actually fought each other. 
Um, let me look for Reggie Strickland. I've lost it now. Reggie Strickland, Reggie Strickland. Right, so they had one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> they had five, uh, six, six. They had six fights. <laughs> and uh, I think that... Um, Rob Bleakley won every single one. <laughs> I, I just don't every... understand. I don't understand why you'd want to rematch the same guy six times. <laughs> and you keep losing. But I'll tell you, no, you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was, and I'll tell you what, what happens in a lot of these situations. Like, Come on, make at... it quick, and we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the next subject. Go on. Okay. You know, these guys, they, they look for, like, okay, well, we need somebody that we know we can beat. We're struggling. We need a name, especially if you got some people around you, or if you're doing your own career. Some people do that, but and they feel like, well, we can get Reggie again. He'll he'll come and lose. He'll he'll put a, like a little bit of a struggle on for like a, about five seconds, and then we'll knock him out or beat him up. You know what I mean, or whatever. So that's what happens. You know, what I mean? you get one of these guys that you know is a touch that you can win, and then just get stuck on him because it's easy to get it. Do you know Eddie? Back in the day. Um, Sam Langford and a guy called Henry Willis, they fought each other, in fact, no, sorry, Henry Wills, they fought each other 22 times. See? There you go. That's some hey. real beef right there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate you. We're going to fight every chance I get. <laughs> and we're going to make money, too. A whole bunch of times. 22 to be. <laughs> yeah. That's just crazy. Couldn't imagine doing that. Like I fought, Crazy. I fought Rice Rossi twice, and they're like, "Yo, I know you too well, man. Get out the ring. I don't even want to talk to you no more. <laughs> no, no, I, said, no, I don't want to fight you again." You know, it gets to be like that. I think was that the only guy that I fought twice? No, no, I fought a, a guy early on twice. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think so. Well, Rossi, it was Rossi and this other guy. His name was Dave Chappelle. That I fought. Oh twice. yeah, yeah, the, uh, the the talk show host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave no, <laughs> Yo, real talk. That was his name too. Either. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I remember. I remember. But I think that was the only guys I fought twice. No, no, no. That's not true. Fought another guy that was like six nine or six eight. His name was uh, Joe Lenhart. I fought him twice. Hmm. Big son, bitch. I fought him twice. He's big as hell. But uh, I think yeah. that's it. But yeah, we uh, we had to, like I say, fill a bit of a gap because. Um... Remember, this weekend we were supposed to be treated to two huge boxing bills. We were supposed to be getting um, the the welterweight showdown between Jeff Horn and Terence Crawford. That fell through because Crawford picked up an injury. We were supposed to have, on this side of the pond, Billy Joe Saunders defending his WBO middleweight title. He had to pull out with an injury as well, so we were robbed there of two good boxing bills. So, like I said, there wasn't too much really going on this weekend coming up, so we filled the gap there with some... I'd like to say uh, some funny moments for sure, certainly for myself and Eddie. Um, yes, sir. Just before I let you go, Eddie, anything that you want to say to the listeners at all? I know that the other day you came out with a very um, annoying April Fool's Day joke on Instagram that yes. didn't fool me. <laughs> I don't think it fooled me, really. But, um, yeah, you definitely yeah. got a lot of people in your in your sweet swatting net. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice one right there. Well, you know, the fast food guy had to do that. I had to deliver on my fast food, you know what I mean? But no, but you know what it is? You know, sometimes it's a little, things get a little too stiff, you know what I mean? You got to loosen people up. So that's what I was doing, man. I was just loosening everybody up. You know, they had the little whole little beef thing with me and, uh, it wasn't no real beef, to be honest, but that whole little issue with uh, me and Anthony Joshua. So I kind of figured, you know, me and Ant, 
thought of it. Like, let's pull, let's pull off this nice elaborate little April Fool's joke on my peoples, and it kind of worked. Say that I was going to say that because Ant, who I thought would have definitely known about it, he commented on it like, "Yeah, let's go, champ!" Like as if it was proper happening, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. So you got to have people in your corner that's going actually because see the thing is. If you, if I would have just said it, and he would have been surprised, then you know maybe the cat would have been kind of. But if, if if he said, if I say it, then he's like, yeah, we're gonna get him. Let's do this. Let you know that kind of things. Like oh, he might, he must have knew about it. So yeah, this is a great thing. So I mean, I, trust me, I had people close to me that didn't even know about it. They like my wife because I didn't even say nothing to her about it. She comes to me. What's this about you fighting Anthony Joshua? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was just joking. I was just joking. Well, that, that's not nice. Y'all be pissed. That's like, you know, how that stuff goes. You know what I mean? But you know, was, you know that you need to keep your voice down in case she comes in there and hits you over the head. The only thing I, you know what? The hammer's under the bed, so I'm good. But she's, in the, <laughs> she's, she's, uh, actually, no, it's not. She better not get this damn hammer. But anyway, she, she's in the shower. I don't think she can hear me, thank God. But, um, <laughs> no, nah, but for real, man, honestly, Stuff like that, man. It's just trying to keep everything uh, light and enjoyable, man. You know, the April Fool's joke was just the tip of it. Now I'm just going to go ahead and change my name altogether to Fast Food Eddie. And that is not an April Fool's joke. That is real. I'm definitely doing that. You think I'm joking? The next nice pair of trunks and outfit that I have, people are going to see Fast Food Eddie with like a, a, like a like McDonald's fries. I'm not going to put McDonald's, though, because, you know, I... I don't got enough money to fight with McDonald's, so I'm not even gonna try to get that on my shirt. But what I will do is I'll just put some fries on there. Definitely, or a burger, like a juicy burger. You know what? That might be better. I think it would. I think okay. Well, what about a burger and fries and a drink? You can do that. Um, Yeah, I mean, you don't really want to go with the hat trick. I think um, just the burger. (laughs) Just the burger. I think. You know, you say you don't want to go with the hat trick. Okay, all right, the burger. I will roll with the burger. We're going to roll with the burger. But you think I'm joking. And then I got to make it like it was fast, so I'll put like some lines behind it. Yeah, or yeah, that make s- it. Yeah, yeah. Smoke yeah, the yeah. Emoji, smoke emoji thing. Put that on the, with the burger too. Like, you know, like the burger's moving real fast. I've really That's got it. loads of, yeah, I've got loads of ideas now. Like the top, like the bun on the top could be like a boxing glove. It really That's could work. That's dope. I didn't even think about that. With yeah. sesame seeds on it. That'd yeah. be like nails. That'd be like the yeah. nails, like a you know what I mean? That's dope. See, see, see. Yeah, yo, that's what I'm gonna do. You think I'm joking? I'm gonna do that shit. You think? You know, like, like, give me a, a sesame seed glove instead of a sesame seed bun. That's what I need. Yes, with a with, with some with some with some beef in between. Even though I don't eat beef, I'm good. Let's do that. Some Let's... Mexican beef. <laughs> 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 no, but Eddie, Eddie, when can the listeners expect to hear some news? If if you can give any kind of indication of you know when you next be in the ring at all, will there be any kind of um, you know announcement anytime soon? If so, when? What can you tell them? Update them. To be honest, I was I was looking uh, at something like I wanted to be something good by May. I wanted to be in there by May. We actually had a plan and a f- possible fight that was going to be going to be happening fell through. Uh, because of some other engagements the guy was into. So that was a heavyweight or cruiserweight. I was probably gonna be heavyweight, but I was gonna it's gonna be lower ish. You know what I mean? Weight. I wasn't gonna be too super heavy. That was you know on my side, but I don't know what the other guy was gonna do. But it was gonna probably be above the uh, cruiserweight limit anyway. So, but um, and then our stuff didn't work out, and uh, understandably so. It was another opportunity he must have had. So whatever. But um, then I wanted to plan to do some things maybe in May, maybe up, 
near my hometown, but no go with that so far. It's just not easy, man. You know what I mean? I guess uh, I caused, like, the fights that I'm looking for, to be honest, I didn't want anything major right away, but the cost of getting an opponent for somebody like me with the name I have, you know, becomes problematic for, for smaller town promoters to, you know, get enough funds in, you know, what they're going to make on the live gate because that's all they have is the live gate. Um ticket sales and all so you know we got to figure out a way to do it and and you know it's it's obviously got to have some kind of somebody in there either that is willing to take nothing to fight me which is i doubt which is doubtful or somebody who or me to basically pay for that opponent and uh or fight a big time or bigger name guy and which you wouldn't do on a small card but that's where the that's really really where the uh, issues have been so far but anyway um, I'm hoping something, you know, during this uh, early part of the summer, you know, what I mean, we get something nice going. At least something when I'm in the ring, you know, it'll be it'll be good. Just start getting getting the engine revved up, and then maybe another one, you know, going into the uh, the winter time that I don't even want to think about because we barely out of this winter here. But um, uh, going into another, going into the winter time, maybe another one. So we'll see. Okie dokie. Well, like I say, we will we will certainly keep our eyes peeled and ears open for what's next with you, Eddie. Um, just before we let you go and bring in guest number two, um, which person do you believe we should give the the t shirt to with with you know with the best nicknames? I think you know. What I mean, I think it was the. Um, I think there's there was like two, right? There was uh, what was the one we were talking about? There were two. We were talking about uh. And start talking so much and lose out on some of these names, but um, the one was what I think the one of the ones was the Hispanic causing panic. Somebody called it with Juan Lascano's name, yeah. which I really I really like that one. And what was the other one uh, that we were talking? There was another one. It was it was really 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 good that we were trying to. We can't use the Black Roy Jones, but that would have been my pick. Yeah, but <laughs> that would have been the my old pick. mongoose was in there. Oh yeah, mongoose was one. That was one. Um, Bulb head uh, was in there. Dingling man. <laughs> the dingling man was another one. Yeah, the dingling man. I, I think. I think. I think. I gotta go. I, honestly, I, all of those are good. I mean, I think I still gotta go with. Um, I still. I gotta. I gotta go with the Hispanic cause of panic. I gotta go with that one. I like that one, man. That was. That was. The, that was the one. And I okay, remember. Okay. I remember him. He was actually a good fighter, but he just couldn't get over that that hump. But yeah, I really like that name. Okay, well that's it. You chose it there. Uh, the, the the winner of that one, the guy that sent that one in, was Ben Molyneux on Twitter. Ben Molyneux one eight two. So <clears throat> send us or send me, I should say, send at Box Hard Podcast a direct message of uh, of your you know your size and and your address and that, and we'll send that one out as quick as possible. So uh, like I say, thank you very much to everybody that entered, and congratulations to our winner, Ben Molyneux one eight two. And just before we bring in guest number two, Eddie, it's time to let yeah. you go. Thank you once again, like I say, for you know for stepping in Iaz's shoes. Iaz always seems to go missing. You are always on standby for me. We've got a really busy life, so I really appreciate you coming on and making the time for me, as always. It's never a problem, man. You're my man, and I like the show. Love the show. And it's our show. No, I'm <laughs> it is our I'm not, show. I told you, I'm not, I'm, not the, I'm not the money, I know. No, but uh, but no, it's appreciated, man. Anytime you need me, I'm there. Very much appreciated, Eddie. Thank you very much. Right, just before we wrap up part two, like I say, there's one last thing to do. That, of course, is to welcome our second and final guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC junior middleweight champion of the world, the Latin snake, Mr. Sergio Mora. Sergio, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's been quite a while. Been a year and a half, actually. Yeah. Glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad to have you back. So, Sergio... Like you say, we haven't spoke since September 2016. We spoke to you on fight week of your rematch against Daniel Jacobs. Obviously, that fight didn't go to plan for yourself. You were stopped in the seventh. The first fight between you both, though, I remember us discussing that fight. And, you know, it was a colossal two-round fight in which you were both up and down. How would you assess, though, not to look too, you know, too far in the past, but how would you assess your performance in the second fight, though, as opposed to the, as opposed to the first fight? I can't compare the two. Um, I'm not one to make excuses, so I never even bother making them. But if you want to know my opinion, in, in retrospect, I mean, it's two different people that Daniel Jacobs fought. The first time, I was, I was amped, I was ready, I was healthy, and I had a great game plan. Um... I got caught early. He's a he's a big puncher, so I got caught early. I wasn't I wasn't shook. He tried to finish me recklessly, and I caught him. Uh, I injured my ankle. Uh, who knows how things would have turned out? But he had big power, so I don't think he would have lasted the distance in the first fight. Um, so fast forward 13 months later. Now, mind you, I tore ligaments in my ankle. I had a slight fracture, and I had um, a cast for several months. And even when I took out the cast, it was a soft cast. It wasn't a, a hard one. Uh, I still had to be careful for another three months. So that's six, almost seven months hopping around on one foot. You know, so your 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 leg atrophies. You know, I didn't have that same the same strength bouncing around on one foot for six, seven months. So then when I got the call uh, to to get the rematch, it was three. I had three month three month. Uh, window to train really really hard which i did and i think that was to my detriment because after being off my my leg for almost seven months and then just going 100 percent in training camp at my age i just think it was just a recipe for disaster because come fight night i had no legs man i really didn't and i really didn't know if it was just because i maybe this is the end of my 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 um the road for as a boxer my age caught up to me i overtrained that's another thing because i trained really hard for that second jacobs fight because i knew what to expect this time so i i went you know i i went really hard on on my sparring partners on camp i was having trouble with my sparring partners too you know which never happens and then ultimately um i i just had a bad night and that that wasn't me in there and i know you hear that a lot but it wasn't me because I had no legs, zero legs. So fast forward a year and a half later, and then I fight Perro, and then I, I realized, you know, I started fast in that fight. But little by little, you know, the legs started fading fading away around the fourth, fifth round, which were the rounds where Perro had some success, Angulo. So I don't know whether to blame, blame in activity or my age. I really don't know until I fight again, you know, because then, if I stay active, then I know for sure where I'm at. Very honest answers there from you there. Um, you know, obviously, since the Daniel Jacobs rematch, this is the first time we've had you on the show. That's simply because you haven't had a fight, you know, since then. Why was there so much inactivity, Sergio? I know that you're saying that, you know, you had to nurse a couple of injuries. Is that the only reason? 
No, no, no. The second time around wasn't the, in, the injury. The first Jacob fight was because of the injury. No, I mean the, the inactivity. Around, I mean the inactivity since that second Jacob's fight. Yeah, exactly. Since the Jacob's fight, which is a year and a half ago, uh, the inactivity had nothing to do with injury. It had to just do with the lack of of good offers being presented to me. Uh, I believe I I I was offered two fights. Um, one of them was with I believe uh, Hugo Centeno, who's now fighting. Charlo for the title, and another one was with uh, the kid that Centeno knocked out, um, Aleem, I forget his name, and uh, I wasn't really too high on either of those fights, uh, you know, they really didn't bring any recognition to the table, they were good fighters, but, you know, I, I like fighting guys with names, someone that if I beat, people will know who I beat, former champions or former you know, title challengers or, or something like that. Not, not up and comers, you know, yeah. because up and comers don't really bring nothing to the table, but a, a lot of energy and not a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so, so, you know, at, at this point of my career, I, I try to just look for the right calculated risks that, you know, balancing money with, with name and what do I get out of beating them? And, and I weigh all those options, and that's when I take a fight. So that's what happened there. You know, it wasn't really because I didn't want to fight. The right offers weren't being presented to me. Right, I see, I see, I see. Thank you for clearing that up. So like you say there, you know, you, you touched on there. You're back to winning ways now. A great win for you last Saturday night against Alfredo Angulo. The fight was only an eight-rounder, but it was actually, to many people's surprise, a split decision. Two judges giving you the win. And then the uh, the infamous Adelaide Bird giving Alfredo Angulo the victory on her card. For those that haven't seen the fight, Sergio, I know that they didn't uh, broadcast it on UK TV. I understand. I don't think they did in the US either. Just please walk us through that fight for those that may not have seen it. Absolutely. And um, judging by my last two answers, I, I hope that you uh, believe the third one. I, I'm being dead honest here. I won unanimously. I think... Uh, you know, if, if I'm going to be generous, I'll give Perro two rounds. And it's not because he won those two rounds by hitting me. It's because I took those two rounds off. Like I said, you know, my, my leg started reacting around, you know, the fourth round. I'm like, okay, well, the, the inactivity again is catching up to me. So I took round four and I think five or six off. One of those, I took two rounds off. I, where I didn't really do much punch. I just moved around, jabbed. And then I got on him again. I tried to stop him two times. Two times I rocked him really bad. And uh, I tried to stop him and I, I flurried on him, you know, unanswered punches, 15, 20 punches. And when you do that, you, you blow your load a little bit. So, you know, that, I I, uh, I had to watch myself not to get too tired because Battle still punches hard. He's nowhere near the fighter he was five years ago, but neither am I. But he still punches really hard and he still takes a really hard punch to the chin. So uh, I had to be careful with him. But dead honest, it was an eight-round fight. I think I won, I won six rounds to two. That's what I thought. I thought it was a unanimous decision win, six to two. And the reason it was an eight-rounder is because we got we got demoted from a 10-rounder. Initially, we agreed to fight a 10-round fight, which was supposed to be televised on Showtime Extreme, which is uh, another another channel from Showtime, the main main channel. And then when Julian, J-Rock Williams, and uh, Gallimore agreed to fight, they put them in our spot, and we got, like I said, demoted. 
down to an eight rounder because they didn't have enough TV time. So we had to agree with that. As long as uh, the money didn't change, I was fine with it. As, as a matter of fact, I was I was actually a little bit happy about it. I said, well, I don't know where I'm going to be. I haven't fought in a year and a half. You know, Pedro does come on late. Maybe an eight rounder was meant to be. And sure enough, it was. You know, so it was it was a good unanimous decision win with, or in my head. But Adelaide Bird thought otherwise. I had no idea why. And that's just the way it goes. Now, strangely, you both weighed in almost an entire weight class apart. Obviously, you came in just over middleweight. Alfredo Angulo came in just under super middleweight. What weight was the fight actually supposed to be at? And why was one of you either, you know, quite a lot over the weight or quite a lot under the agreed weight? That's another thing. Um, Angulo couldn't didn't want to agree to fight under 168, and I didn't want to agree to fight over 164. Uh, I, I'm not a super middleweight. I know myself. Uh, I mean, I can get to 168, but not if I'm training hard. If I'm training hard, then I, I'm a middleweight. If I'm just relaxing at home, eating whatever I want, then yeah, I can go up to super middleweight. So I knew I was going to have a hard time making that weight. So when he wouldn't budge, they basically just agreed to... Uh, uh, pay me more money, and, and they said, all right, well, look, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make it an eight-rounder. He wants a 10, we'll make it an eight. Uh, I said, no, that's not it either. You know, So we, we went back and forth negotiating. But I, I knew I'm not going to be able to make 168 because I was in, in pretty good shape. And uh, I came in 162 and a half. I mean, when I'm, in, when I'm in fighting shape, I don't go over 163, 164 pounds, you know, so... That's just what happened there, and I'm not just going to go up and wait just to be heavier to 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 say that I'm a super middleweight. You know, I like to be fast and active and agile. You know, so I, I let him have the pounds, but obviously the, the you know the come fight night he was a lot bigger than I was, a lot heavier, a lot bigger, and he was able to uh, you know walk me down like he wanted to and, and try to get me against the rope. So you know the weight was an issue as well, but it. It wasn't really a problem tagging him. It was just a it was just a, it was a problem just staying off the ropes and not getting cornered. Yeah, absolutely. And you say there that you know there was a couple of rounds in that fight where you were you know not quite sure if your legs had left you or not. Um, you know the answer obviously. To, you know, the way to get the answer out of that would be to stay active. I know that you mentioned that yeah. also. When would you be looking to get out again, and perhaps how many fights would you, you know, see yourself having in 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 what period of time, ideally? That's a great question. Um, yes, I want to stay active no later than this summer, and um, I'm going to be right now. I'm negotiating my contract to be part of the uh, upcoming upcoming contender, which we start filming next next week. Brilliant. So I'm going to be I'm going to be really active as far as uh, I'm being um, around fighters. I'm going to be sparring this Saturday versus the new contenders, and I'm going to be I'm going to be a part of that whole series. Now, as far as uh, that's going to be for the next uh, eight, six to eight weeks. As far as my next fight, I let Heyman, Team Heyman, know that I would like to fight uh, no later in July. Um, that would be perfect for me. Um, that's 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 what I have in mind at 160, and if I can have uh, at 160, and if I can fight somebody that, you know, someone that that's not championship caliber, but I also don't want somebody that is at the end of their career either. You know, solid, 
a solid uh, prospect, a solid contender, a, a solid former champion, something like that to see where I'm really at, engage my my abilities with someone that's that's still on the rise, and that's what I want. Yeah, that was going to be my next question about which weight it would be at. You just answered there, middleweight. One name that jumped out at me just randomly when you were saying that and you were talking about uh, which kind of fighter would be an ideal opponent. David Lemieux jumped out at me. Is that the kind of guy that you're, you know, you're thinking of? Dave, David Lemieux actually, um, he's a Golden Boy fighter. Uh, I don't know how that would work with, you know, I'm a Heyman fighter. Yeah. Uh, he likes fighting at, at, at home. He likes fighting in Canada, Quebec, or Montreal. I really am not interested in going to, to a hometown like that. Um, the, the the weight will be fine. He's a 160-pound fighter, I believe. He's coming off a loss. I'm coming off a win. I, 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 I kind of would want to fight somebody that's, you know, on the winning ways, a winning winning record, someone that we can make the fight happen. He is a former champion, so he brings that to the table. That's, that's great. But um, I, I don't see myself fighting a Lemieux in Canada now. No, yeah. I would fight a BJ. I would. I would fight a BJ Saunders in, in the UK. <laughs> but he's a champion. That's a lot different. He's a champion. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about this guy, Michael Sullivan, right? Uh, who, who who was up to fighting Triple G? Guys like that, you know, an up and comer, undefeated. You know, people know him. I don't know him. I've never seen him fight, but it seems like he's somewhat popular in the UK. A guy like that, you know, some, someone like that is, is, is right up my alley. Someone that, that's a winner. Uh, people will know who he is. He's an up-and-comer. If I beat him, make it look good on, on my resume. You know, he can have a former champion on his, and he can bring some money to the table. Some, something like that. That type of an opponent. Yeah, that'd be a good fight, actually. He's a guy that... Um... Uh, I wouldn't really say so much he's an up-and-comer. Obviously, he lost twice, both to, um, well, once to Billy Joe Saunders, once to Chris Eubank Jr. But, yeah, he's kind of, oh. you know, he's one of those guys that's, um, he's got he's got a good punch on him. He likes to kind of be in wars, it would seem. But I think he's fighting on May 4th. But I definitely like that fight down the line. Perhaps he, if he gets it done early, then, you know, he could be around for the summer kind of date that you're eyeing up. Um yeah, another... you just never know, you know. You ne- yeah. you never know what the offers that might be presented to me. I mean, look at Austin Trout. You know, I would say me and Austin are on the same boat, right? We're we're at the tail end of our career. We've been we've uh, been to the top. We've been world champions. People know who we are. We've been stopped, you know, once or twice before, but we still bring something to the table. He's about to fight for another world title out of nowhere. You know, he's fighting Charlo, so. Something like that obviously would be ideal for me. You know, I'm a former world champion. I got, I bring something to the table. I'm a well-known fighter. I'm coming off a good win. Um, so you never know what what opponent can just pop up. You know, I I am with the with the right team. I'm, you know, I am with the right advisor, with the right everything, television. So you never know what can what can pop up. I'm just gonna stay ready. Absolutely, absolutely. And coming down to the last couple of questions, have you been paying any attention to the World Boxing Super Series at Super Middleweight? If so, if you want to give your you know, your opinion on the final, obviously George Groves and Callum Smith, all British final, if you've got, you know, an opinion you want to share, just take it away. No, I haven't been I haven't been following it, but I'm glad that George George Groves is in the finale. Uh he he beat Eubanks Junior, right? He embarrassed him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm glad to see that because uh, Juventus Junior was uh, very confident going into that tournament, and um, you know everyone wants to see a, a guy like this, a, a guy like that kind of be shut up, you know, because him and his father think highly of themselves, and and when they go in there and and he didn't just get beat. I I, I uh, from what I read, I didn't watch the fight. From what I read, he pretty much got handled. You know, he he felt like he uh, he was even. Um, outshined he didn't even belong in that in that kind of uh fight with uh with a guy like rose so he got manhandled and and he got humbled down and i like to see stuff like that and uh i, I would say george grove would be the favorite i follow his career i don't know too much about his opponent but grove is a really really good fighter all around he, he has a little bit of everything and i, I think he's a favorite to win yeah, I think he is the favourite to win. Also, I think a lot of people agree with that. Um, you should definitely check out the uh, the Groves and and Chris Eubank Jr. fight. But the guy that um, that Groves is fighting in the final, just to give you a little a little uh, heads up on him, I think he's about twenty four and oh. He's only about twenty six, twenty seven years old. He's six foot three, so he's a really tall super middle. But um, yeah, he's 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 very good body puncher as well. So it's a it's a great fight that most of the you know the UK fans are really excited for that. And um, for a guy that's six foot th- for a guy that's six foot three and he's a great part, uh, body puncher, that says a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He's he's quite a special fighter. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't really like him. I don't think he's got the fan base that Groves has got, but certainly a good fighter. And I wanted to get your take on this whole. Um, well, this whole kind of messy situation with Triple G and Canelo, what's your angle on that? What, what do you think about that whole meat scandal and all that stuff? It's a damn shame. Um, it's a damn shame because uh, Cinco, Cinco de Mayo is one of the traditional huge holidays for boxing, and you know, especially if you're Mexican or Mexican-American like I am. You know, uh, we, we, we really celebrate that day. It's, it's kind of like St. Patrick's Day for Irishmen. But we we really need our boxing on that day, on that holiday. And Las Vegas is always the place to be from from when Chavez fought to De La Hoya to you know now Canelo. We need we need somebody to follow in, into a big event and a big fight weekend and going there, everyone dressed up, you know, people flying in from Mexico. It's an event. It it, it I don't know how to describe it, but it's an event. And I was there for the Golovkin Canelo fight, the first one, and it was unbelievable at the T-Mobile arena. So for this one, I was already looking forward to this one being even being a better fight and someone getting knocked out. And then when I heard Canelo uh, being, <laughs> being guilty of taking PEDs, because let's be honest with you, that's what it is. Whether you try to say that, you know, he had contaminated meat or you make excuses for him is just rubbish, as you guys would say. I would say bullshit, but rubbish. <laughs> you can say that <laughs> because uh, because look, man. Um, let's 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 look at the facts here. His his uh, team, I believe, one of his team members is his trainer. They own a meat market, you know, so they should be meat specialists. Uh, Canelo is not poor; he's a multi-millionaire. He doesn't need to be shopping for meat at regular meat markets like everyone else. They're called carnicerias in, in uh, Spanish. So he should be having the top-of-the-line organic you know, meat brought to him. He shouldn't just be eating at the local taco shop. I mean, 
I'm not getting paid millions of dollars dollars for my fight, and I have my meals prepared by a by a chef. I have my meals organic. I have my I take care of my own food because I'm responsible for what I ingest. Everything that goes into my body, which isn't a lot, I look at the things. I have them double checked by by uh, by doctors or or people in the medical field. I do all that, and and for him being a superstar not just some average Joe, a superstar, he should have known better if he was having contaminated meat. So that's why I got to eliminate all of the above and say that, yes, he was looking for an edge. And, and I hate to admit that because Canelo is, is, is shit. I'm one, of, I'm one of his fans. You know, I'm Mexican-American. I want to see a, a Mexican superstar. I love having that guy as the face of boxing, which he is, and we're proud of him. But that's that's something that you don't mess with. You don't mess with someone's uh, life like that, you know, when, when, if you're trying to cheat and cut corners that much because someone could get seriously hurt. You know, it, it, people think that maybe just by taking out padding from your glove or, or, or wrapping your hands with plaster is the only way to really cheat and hurt somebody bad. But it's not. If you have you know, PDs or, or things that enhance your ability to get stronger or, or have more stamina or more strength or you know, be faster or bigger. These are all things that could endanger someone's life. And we're in the hurt business and it only takes one punch to seriously hurt somebody. And for, for, for a cheater, for a cheater, whether, whether he wants to blame me or he wants to say it was an accident, he still was a cheater. He still was caught cheating. It can't, it can't be allowed. It can't be allowed in our sport. And, and I just hope that people understand. They give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes, they, they should give them the benefit of the doubt. But when it comes down to it, he's still tarnished, just like the meat that he ingested. And, and I don't think he can ever recoup that reputation ever again. Because it's just kind of like a, um, I'm going to go to the extreme here, but just like a pedophile. If a pedophile gets exonerated in, in court, by a judge, he goes back to the real world. People are still going to see him as a pedophile. It doesn't matter what the judge thought. This guy still already has the tainted reputation of someone that broke the law, even though he was found guilty by a, a man with a robe. You know, people have their opinion already. I think that's what's going to happen with with Canelo Alvarez, which is it, which is a damn shame because I'm a I'm a big fan and and um, I want to see a Mexican do great things like he did, but it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, it is. It is a great shame. I, I totally agree with that. Um, lastly, they're, you know, they're still saying Golovkin's team is still saying they're still insisting that he will fight on May 5th. When you look at, you know, the, the range of opponents that there are that can step in at, at you know, at the last minute kind of thing, there really aren't many. Obviously, Jamal Charlo's got a fight coming up. So has Daniel Jacobs. So has Billy Joe Saunders. Um, you know, you look at the, the, the kind of top 10, top 15, Austin Trout in there, he's just had his fight announced. Is there anyone that you can think of that could fit in? The only one that really jumps out at me is Demetrius Andrade, who's been putting his name forward, but I don't know how people in, you know, in the States feel about that fight. Is there anybody else that you think would fit better than him? No, um, because, and I'll tell you why, because there's not much money in that fight. Um, People think just because you're going to be fighting on a big stage on HBO pay-per-view versus 
a, a huge, a, a well-known, well, you know, champion like Golovkin. Everyone thinks that the money's going to be big, but it's not like that. You know, to fight a Golovkin, and I would know because I got offered to fight him a long time ago. There's not much money to that. Now, if you fight Canelo, there's money in there. Obviously, there's Canelo money in there. So you fight uh, Golovkin, you're probably looking at the low six figures. I would say maybe even one. 100000 or 150000 I don't see them offering more for that ass-whooping. So people are quick to throw their name in the hat until they see how much they're getting paid. I'm sure that's what happened with Sullivan. I'm, from what I'm reading, they made him an offer and, and he turned it down. I'm sure that's what happened. There's not, not enough money in there. But if you get a guy like Andre, a guy like Vonage Martirosian, who would take the fight for 100000 these guys... You know, they, they haven't made millions in their career. So I could see a guy like Marta Rosen. You know, it's, this is last minute. We can't get picky. You know, Marta Rosen's a highly ranked junior middleweight, but he's an Olympian. He's a hell of a fighter. He's been in there with some of the best. Why not throw him in the mix? I mean, we're not worried about breaking pay-per-view numbers anymore. We're just worried about salvaging a fight. So Vaughn is Marta Rosen. Demetrius Andrade. These are two guys that are well avoided by a lot of people. And for good reason, because they're really good fighters that make their opponents look bad. But at this point, if those are the only two names in the hat willing to take 100000 to fight a monster like a Lopkin, then that's what needs to happen or scratch the date because time's ticking. And they're not going to get the ideal, they're not going to get the ideal, well-known Mexican on a Mexican holiday to sell tickets, underpay him, and still be able to whoop his ass. It's not, they're not going to have it. They're not going to have it their way all the way. They're going to have to. They're going to have to give in and and, and either overpay somebody, or underpay somebody and take a a, a somewhat ugly fight, which is a guy like Andre or Marta Rosen, stuff like that. Yeah, I, like I tend that. to I tend to agree with that. To be completely honest, and lastly, Sergio, just before I let you go, it's not really a question, but it's just I want to give you a chance to send any message out um, to your UK fans. I know that you've got a bunch over here. Any message for those? Just before I let you go, absolutely. Look, um, people are telling me if this is my last year of fighting, and I said yes, it is. And uh, I got my my tune up out of the way with with Angulo, and I uh, I would like two more fights before it is over. I would love my last fight to be in the UK or one of my fights my before this year's over in the UK. So if I get an opportunity to go out there across the pond and fight there, it would be my pre- my pleasure and honor to fight in front of uh, the many contender fans that followed me from 10 years ago, 10 years plus, I should say. And not only that, but the new contenders coming out and I'm going to be a part of that. So I'm hoping that um, the English fans get a good chance to, uh, to, to to jump on board because there's no passion like like the British passion. Absolutely. Well, thank you on behalf of of all the British fans. And listen, Sergio, thank you so much for your time once again. Congratulations once again on your win, and I'm sure that we'll catch up again very soon. You got it. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay, and now it's time to wrap up episode 130 of the Box Hard Podcast. It's been eventful, to say the least. I think it's been our longest ever show, actually. I hope that you've all enjoyed it. I really do. Uh, a big thank you to everybody involved. I as his two fantastic replacements. In part one, we had the excellent podcast debutant, Mimi Melendez. And in part two, we had the former heavyweight world title challenger, Fast Eddie Chambers. A big thank you also to our two guests on this week's show, another two world 
world champions, the current WBA bantamweight champion of the world, Mr. Jamie McDonnell, and he was followed by the former WBC light middleweight world champion, Sergio Mora. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Thank you all for taking part in the competition. We'll be doing another one in a few shows' time. Remember to please leave us a review on iTunes if you do get a chance. Thank you all once again for listening to this week's podcast, and we'll see you all next week.